I just realized that these headphones don't fit over this hat that I'm wearing. <laughs> it's a really cute hat. It reminds me kind of nice like... Nice of you to lie. This is a... Uh, I'm going to Halloween. <clears throat> I'm going as Billy Deck's older fraternal twin from it, a different mother. It's very cute. Billy Deck will be in here later. You just got that, right? At Pinehurst. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and it wouldn't be seen other than a golf course or Halloween. It's super cute. It reminds me of uh, the kind of hats that you see on a boat. And it reminds me of the kind of hat that moms put on their little newborn. <laughs> it's also uh, Bing Crosby's hat. Oh, yes. That too. Yeah. You know what Bing Crosby is? White Christmas. Yeah, there you go. I think it is super cute. It is Thanks, cute. Dave. Adorable. Like a little super leprechaun. <laughs> you know, it's going to shock you. This is the only time anyone's ever described me as a little leprechaun. Ever. <laughs> All right, we got a lot to do. we got to get right to it. Here's the top six and six. From the Steve Cochran Auditorium in the lovely Sunrise Hotel, it's time to get your kicks. Get your kicks. Get your kicks. With the top six at six, sponsored by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 60-Minute Men. Fallout from the uh, CTU strike is uh, continuing as the teachers' union strike continues. ACT college testing has been canceled for hundreds of CPS students. The ACT exams are scheduled to take place at multiple Chicago public school locations on Saturday. They've been postponed. Not great news for students planning to use those tests for college admissions. Yes, they can do it again, but... There's stress involved, there's time involved, uh, there's money involved, and it's just another hit that the innocent are taking over this, and that's the kids that aren't in school. Remember how stressed out you were about the ACT or the SAT? Absolutely. Oh. And you Stomach don't want to postpone it. You just want to get it done. Get it over with. That's exactly right. Man. 100%. Some good news, though. In talks, the teachers union this morning has sent out an email to us saying that the uh, talks yesterday uh, were positive, that they made some uh, movement on class size issues. So, well, that's good. Um, that's good news. That is good news. All right, next. <laughs> group of Chicago public school cross-country runners have sued the Illinois High School Association and the school district, hoping to circumvent a policy that prevents student-athletes from competing in state-sanctioned tournaments when their teachers are on strike. i got to be honest, I don't entirely understand why this is the case, and it's not the first time it's happened. It's happened in other parts of the country. But if you have a coach who's willing to volunteer and transportation is provided, family, parents, whatever, why couldn't these events go on? I don't know. I mean, that's that's the great question. I mean, I understand there has to be faculty available for supervision and support staff and that sort of thing. So it's it's not just the coaches, but yeah, I mean, it's just they get one shot at this. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they can make these games up in the spring. And it's not the state's fault. The state can't shut it down just for the Chicago public schools. No. And there's always been that rule, though, that if you are in, if you're not in school that day, if you're sick, you cannot compete. Yeah, so the, it's not that they're sick, but they were not in school because there was no school. Yeah, I mean, I think the way you can look at this is, let's say the school closes. Those kids who were, for whatever reason, let's say ran out of money and had to close down in the middle of the school year, those kids would not be able to go on and compete uh, in those sports. So the fact that the school is physically closed... Uh, and not in session um, is a big deal, a big part of that, right? 
Yeah, no, I, I think that's true, but I still think there's a way to facilitate it, and I think there's a way to facilitate the ACTs as well. Now, the ACTs, aren't they done on offsites? They're not done in, in school, are they? Or are they in some cases? I'm trying well, to remember back 50 years here. No, they've done it. Uh, when my kids went through it, I know they went to different schools to take them, not necessarily at their school. They're, they would be available at different sites. Say, but they would be schools in the district. They would be in yeah. the district, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Sometimes it, I think no. my kids did take it one time in their own school, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I no. took it in my own school, and then I could yeah. pay to you know pay take to, it again pay somewhere to take else. It, right. uh, yeah, it was free in your own so district you were, you were, school. You were at your school, your high school. Was yeah, it, at my high school. I took it at my high school, and I don't remember kids from other schools getting busted in to <laughs> take it at my school. Dave, we, we did it at the barn. Our Amish neighbors threw up. <laughs> in a cave. Yeah, it was in, by it, candlelight. It was, it was administered by a third party, though, right? So it wasn't the teachers. Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. Right. Otherwise, how could you have teachers Becky, weren't involved? And Becky wouldn't be able to cheat if it was just done by the regular. For bring in her little yeah. gopher that sits next to you and takes the test. Uh, the suit for the track kids uh, filed Thursday in Cook County Circuit Court by the families of fourteen students from Jones College Prep, seeking a TRO. That's a temporary restraining order. It would allow the runners to participate in postseason competition that begins this weekend, and obviously they're looking for an emergency ruling on that. Next. Fires erupted at dry hills across California. Yes, it's fire season again. You think uh, we have uh, winter here. Well, California's got a fire, a fire season. And uh, fire season uh, tears through oaks and vineyards in Sonoma County, burning homes hundreds of miles away in subdivisions near Santa Clarita. So the wine may have an oaky and a smoky smell. Oaky, smoky. Yeah, yeah it's true. Oh, man. It's not too soon. Uh, next, <laughs> Hong Kong parking spaces have gone up in price just slightly. As you know, here in Chicago, people sell their parking spaces regularly. They certainly do in New York as well. What do you think a parking space in Hong Kong might go for? Hong Kong, I would say several million dollars. No, Hong Kong, a million so. bucks. Really? A million bucks. Wow. So it's a deal, then. You could get pick it up for a million bucks. For a lifetime, a million bucks, or a year? Well, you don't. <laughs> well, oh, I you just, own it. Yeah, I've okay. heard of parking spaces going for a million in New York City, which is why I thought Hong Kong being even like more compact would be more expensive. I didn't I've know. never been to Hong Kong, but it's just people on top of people, right? Mm-hmm. On top of people. What is it to just like park for two hours? Uh, Nine fifty. <laughs> $950,000. Uh, businessman Johnny Chung reportedly sold 135 square foot parking space for $969,000, but, you know, once you have tax and destination charges, delivery fees, and extras, you're well over a million. Hey, that's a pretty big parking spot. 135 square feet? Yeah, 135. All, all you hear about is oh, how there's China and Hong Kong, and every they're just developing more billionaires. Like, yesterday it was the youngest billionaire, a 23-year-old. He got shares from his family's company. 23? Yeah, 23 oh, that's not right. years old. You should have to read through 24, 25. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, well, 123 square feet. What would that be? 14 times 9? Uh, Carry the 2. 13 times 10. Let me just Google it. 13 <laughs> times 9. Isn't it, isn't it you harder? You can fit a couple cars in that, I think. Yeah, and traffic's so bad there, you can't get to the parking spot. So what's the use? Uh, the space is in front of something called the Center, a 79-floor steel office tower in Hong Kong's central neighborhood. Companies such as DBS Bank and Robertson Solicitors Law Firm have office space there. Chang has owned four of the 400 available spaces at the center and have previously sold the other three for additional six-figure sums. Um, so the deal is, uh, you know, pick the next big city and buy parking. Just go out and buy parking spaces. <laughs> you have to have money to buy the parking to begin with. Well, not if you start small. Like, say, <laughs> Let's say you're really planning on uh, countryside, blowing up into a, a city of... <laughs> 12 billion people. You know, go buy a parking space there. 
Uh, the USP, uh, the UPS, he said, the UPS drone delivery arm called UPS Flight Forward has inked a deal with CVS to explore uh, using drones to deliver CVS products. I don't know that I'd want a drone dropping off prescriptions. <laughs> you should still have to get those, right? It would seem like an easy way to... You Screw know, that up. Steal some prescripts I, that you need. <laughs> have you ever sit in the line at the drive-thru pharmacy, Steve? You're oh, right. Drove it, yeah, it, it up. Drone it up. But think about this. You you need toilet paper, and you're out of toilet paper. You could have that drone to drop it right at your window. Oh, that's an interesting mm, What idea. if it's raining? Yeah. Well, well, the drone, the drone will have to make plans <laughs> to fix that. Obviously, I don't know. Uh, and finally, this uh, Pampers. Speaking of that area of your body, pledges to install five thousand baby changing tables in men's rooms, men's rooms across America. I th- listen. This is a cute idea. This is also a horrifically bad idea. No, you it's don't. Not. Oh, you don't know what goes on in men's rooms. I'm well, you, you put right them now. in the front. No, you get the right baby. Right when you walk in. You have the baby grand piano. Oh. You've got the we full wardrobe section. You've got makeup people <laughs> in there. Recliners. You have couches. You have three-piece uh, uh, orchestra situations going on. There's all sorts of things. Oh, you, I, we you know what's in a men's mirrors. room? Gunfire and burning trash barrels. That's what's in a men's room. I Go just in, duck, pee, get out. Love you it. just don't want to change diapers. And it shows that men are stepping up and taking as much I responsibility. Agree. And you guys Listen, need to. You so don't know my point is for the safety of the baby. You don't want oh, the baby exposed on. to that? When you're out at the mall, then you can say, honey, go change the baby. Yeah, I That's love it. a terrible idea. How about the ballpark? It's also a terrible yeah, idea. Okay. Ballpark is even well, worse than a regular Well, that's about the bedroom. only place it shouldn't happen. Uh, well, let me ask you something. What do you know about men's rooms? What do you I, know about women's? Well, I know a lot. I know you guys seem to go in groups. You ever see a man go to, hey, fellas, I, huh? who's with me? I've never seen a grand piano in my washroom. Oh, so you say. I've never been in... No, uh, I've never either. But the, <laughs> listen, the, the women's room here has a, has a chair, has a nice comfy chair in it. I've that's seen that from the hallway. in the bathroom. That's it's right before not. the bathroom. So and do you have an anteroom to the bathroom? What is that about? Well, we just yeah. have stalls. That's all we got it in there and sinks. might be where maybe somebody has to breastfeed in there. I don't know. Nursing. Well, we're not doing that. Well, no, you're not, but you should be changing diapers. Well, I, right. Listen, nobody that's wants to change diapers. I've changed a million. I'll change a million more if needed. You I lose haven't. this fight. Next. <laughs> 619. That's your top six at six. That's it. That's all today for the top six at six. No more. Sponsored by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling. The 60-Minute Men. We need a first caller for Lou. 312-981-7200. Anything troubling you, Lou can handle it. Sandle it or handle it uh, in just a moment. Hello. It's time to First Call, sponsored by Gilkey Windows, Chicago's only family-owned direct-to-consumer window manufacturer. Uh, and uh, as always, we welcome the great Lou Manfredini Saturday mornings. What time are you on? 7 o'clock. Until? 10 o'clock. Well, it's a long time to be talking. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm on four hours. Right. Yes. Right. Uh, and uh, it's tough to get in. I'm not going to lie to you. He's very popular. There's a lot of people that call in, so that's why we invented a little something called mm-hmm. Lou's First Call. Mm-hmm. Now, the original concept here was I would just give out your home phone. Right, and I, my wife really asked you to stop doing that. Yes, and I like your wife very much. Right. Uh, so because of that... <laughs> we had to take the phone out, actually. We don't have the house phone anymore. Right, so that's... And I apologize for that. <laughs> inconvenience. But because of that, we do this, and we go to Marge in uh, Orland Park and say, Good morning, Marge. Good morning. I just had a question for Lou. He's listening. Okay. We got a new concrete driveway a year ago. It's cool, isn't it? Isn't it cool? Isn't it cool to have a concrete driveway? 
Yeah. Well, we had an asphalt before, and it, my husband really wanted this concrete driveway, but we want to seal it this year. What would you recommend to seal it? Are you going to do it yourself? Well, he does, he'd rather have the guy who did it put it in, but he hasn't called him back yet. Yeah. Um, so yeah. It's really pretty easy to do. I want you to buy a product, and it's going to be hard for you to remember this perhaps driving, but... There's a company out of Kenosha called Bone Dry. And Bone they, Dry. Bone Dry. And they make a product called Bone Dry Concrete Sealer. And it is a silicate-based concrete sealer. And what's unique about this, this company was in the commercial flooring business, still is to this day. They put this product under, like, an Eddie Bauer uh, retail store and, you know, any place where they put uh, commercial flooring over the top of concrete. And when the professionals put it in there, they actually guarantee that floor from ever coming up due to moisture. Well, they've created a product for you, the homeowner and or contractor, to use. It's not inexpensive. A gallon of it is about $70. But you put it into a pump sprayer. You clean the concrete well. And it's literally with Dawn dishwashing soap and a broom. And just okay. get it nice and clean, and then while it's damp, not not wet, but damp, you take a pump sprayer, and you start at one end, and you start spraying it down. It absorbs into the concrete about an inch or so, and will bond that top one inch of what they call the cream of the concrete to really bond it, and it's going to help you in the winter with ice melt. It's going to help you from spalding from um, you know the sun and... Uh, um, you know, high temperatures that can occur. It's really, really good stuff. Their website is bonedryproducts.com. Okay. And uh, Marge, I think what Lou is saying is, uh, if I could just interpret because I speak Lou, um, uh, hire someone, go to lunch, come back when it's over. I think that's what Lou well, is saying. I mean, I, I'm all about doing it. Well, that yourself. would be ideal, but right. it's the absence of getting somebody to do it. Because I've never really seen people going around stealing concrete no, driveways. No, it's typically done by a concrete contractor. Yeah, uh, okay. except for the gangs that do it. Sometimes a gang could be in your neighborhood. <laughs> Marge, we love you. Thanks for calling. Hold on, we have stuff for you. Meanwhile, Liz's first call, as always, is sponsored by Gilkey Windows, independently verified to be one of the country's most energy-efficient windows. You know, we run a tight ship here, Manfredini. Oh, yeah. And we are on the clock, baby. This isn't like the old days where I'd get you on about quarter to eight. Uh, so uh, what are you doing on TV this morning? Uh, this morning we're going to talk about uh, three projects that you should be doing in the fall, actually sealing up the cracks in your concrete, cold temperatures with rodents coming into the home, and uh, uh, some tips on that. And then I've got a brand new caulking to use in the bathroom that has an enzyme that will not allow mildew and mold to grow. All right, you are exciting, and that's coming up on Channel Nine in the morning. Not Channel Nine Morning News, just a moment. All right, uh, have a great weekend, buddy. Love you back. Yeah, we're back with the headlines next. All right, it is uh, six forty. Let me set up the rest of the show for you today. Coach Fitz will be on after seven, and Dave Ixnay on the Ohio State A. Uh, yeah, that that's that was a good way to put that, Steve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who do the Cats have this weekend? The Iowa Hawkeyes. They're pretty good too. Yes, they are. We should beat them though. I mean, it'd be good. It would be good, yes, be and good they've thing. beaten them the last three years. Yeah, they've had their number. Yeah. Yeah. We should get another number and pound them. Uh, Hamp will be on after 7.30 and be talking about the fact... Vikings won last night, huh? Vikings won, and they didn't... I mean, they didn't blow out Washington, but they were effective, I guess would be the way to put it. They haven't lost at home. They're right there. If, if Green Bay loses to Kansas City Sunday night, Vikings and Packers, you're tied atop the division. Right. So, you know, it's... That, I, 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 we can take this up with him, but this is a must-win. 
Well, the Chargers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're two and five. They've lost three in a row. They've lost some tough games. Right. You can't lose to the Chargers. Fumble on the goal line. Yeah, yeah you got to win this game. Uh, but that's what we said last week, Steve. All right, yeah, exactly. But this one's more must. <laughs> yes, it's this must, is extra must. It's muster. Uh, our old friend Melissa Isaacson. She's not old world, but uh, right. longtime but, friend. Uh, one of the great uh, sports writers in Chicago, and uh, she's got a new book out, which is a, a cool story, local story. Uh, she'll be on later. Uh, Dean Richards, uh, you may be familiar with his work. He's in Los Angeles this morning. He'll be on with us after eight. Uh, more on the Chicago teacher strike. And then Billy Deck uh, will be on after uh, 9.30. You guys are welcome anytime. 312-981-7200 by phone or by text or just swing by. We're at 303 East Wacker. You get up to the 18th floor. <laughs> I'm thinking. Yeah, I probably shouldn't just do No, I don't up. think so. I'm thinking about the text that you got by mistake yesterday. That were sent to Carolyn. I'm yeah. still wondering if Carolyn got the text messages. About once a week, we get not wrong numbers, but wrong texts. And yesterday, right at the end of the show, while I was talking to Bill and Wendy, um, we got a text for Carolyn about the meeting. And it was very detailed about how, you know, I'm going to bring this, and I think she'll bring that, and we should be good. And then a secondary text, which was, oh, and I'll also do this. And clearly, this person who was wrong texting was waiting for Carolyn to respond with, oh, let me get that. But Carolyn couldn't respond because I was getting the text, not Carolyn. I'm seeing a great bit here. We collect all of these. You read them on video, and then maybe eventually we track uh, the person down. to be Well, she had a blocked number. That was the weird thing, because we wanted to be able to at least mm-hmm. call her and say, hey, Carolyn's never going to see this. You texted us instead. She's going to be mad at Carolyn. And I'm assuming it's her. Could She's going to be, be mad at Carolyn for not responding and not offering to bring anything. Ruined a friendship. Was, yeah. Over uh, what? How about if you offer to read uncomfortable texts on the air so that oh, people sure. don't have to actually send them? That's a great idea. I'll absolutely do that. That's like uh, the mean tweets. Yeah, I mean, kind of, except... Mm-hmm. Texts, but if you have an uncomfortable text that you don't want to hit send on, <laughs> right? And you want me just to read it? Yeah, I could probably do that. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. All right, so uh, we have a new family member here on the show. Oh my! Who's goodness. that? What? I don't know if you're somebody. Get a dog. Nobody cares. No, but somebody got a cat. Mary Vandevelt makes me feel like nobody cares about cats, so what? I don't want to talk about my cat. Well, I don't. You care. got another cat? Listen, listen. Here's the thing. The audience desperately wants to know about your new cat. <laughs> Nobody. I know. It's like. All right. First no off, one. let's talk about your old cat. Your old cat's 10? My cat is 10. What's that cat's name? Uh, Sasha. Sasha and, Fierce. And you felt. <laughs> <laughs> Does Sasha Fierce have a, uh, a boa that well, it wears around its depending neck? Depending if she's acting like Beyonce, she's Sasha Fierce. If she's acting like a jerk, she's Sasha Baron Cohen. So. <laughs> So, Sasha, you felt, because Sasha's home, you know, half the day alone, that Sasha needed a friend. Well, yeah, I just feel like she's a little bit more lethargic. She seems bored. Well, I mean, I know, I know in general. Get her a toy. She doesn't like she to did, play. She did yesterday. She doesn't like to play with toys. That's oh. the thing. So I thought, well, she needs a friend. And I, and then, you know, I got roped in because this is all in the family here because Pete and his wife, producer for Dustin Kaufman, um, they are part of a f- uh, foster group called Lulu's Locker. And he has an incredible Instagram page. And I'm seeing all these pics of these kittens that need homes and i love dogs too but i just can't uh i I can't have a dog because i can't do all that walking out in the winter time and all that stuff 
Um, <laughs> what do you mean? Hold on a second. You don't walk your cats? No, they stay inside. Uh, and they and you don't have to take them out in order for okay. them to relieve themselves, you know? The litter boxes. And or... the dogs are like expensive. You got to hire like a dog therapist and like a dog walker. Oh, and it's a whole thing. Oh, yeah. So anyway. So uh, the new cat's name is what? They named him Chip. Uh, he's a very elegant kitten. He's about 10 weeks old. He's got really long limbs. and he's I, got I'm, not, I'm not a cat guy. i got to say, this is a really cute cat. And he's special needs. He has a wobbly kitten syndrome. So he kind what does of, that mean? He kind of, uh, parts of his brain that determine his like balance? Uh, balance didn't fully develop, so he kind of tumbles over occasionally. Does he get better at that or never no. goes away? So, that is really, really cute. a thing? It's Wobbly really cute. Kitten yes, look, it's a big well, thing on social so media. WKS. No, no, it's actually, it's pretty mild in him. He like, he'll walk, he'll walk, and he just kind of doesn't walk in a straight line. How do you kind know of he's like vertigo? He, he does look a little drunk, and yeah, then he, how do you know he's and not, he topples you know, over. I catch him a little nip. Topples over, so. So don't do that thing where you drop him yeah. to see if he lands on his feet. I'm going to think about his name. Maybe I'll be inspired by working with you maybe he's a steve cochran i don't know maybe he's a dave in it sure. maybe i'll be inspired by someone i work with you could name him scratchy eyes and sniffles super joe i don't know um and uh what does uh, sasha baron cohen think of this new cat she hates him <laughs> i was up all night she was hissing off hissing at him like but yeah she's intrigued so she's stalking him so i have a couple of good pics of her like peering over like the ottoman like looking at him but then the minute he like goes towards her she hisses and yells at him. Yeah, because it's her house. But she hasn't slapped him yet. Yeah. Well, that's coming. Uh, you mentioned the wrong text. You want me to read these specifically? Super Joe grabbed these from yesterday. Love it. It was the end of the show yesterday. I got this. Hi, Carolyn. And by the way, that's not me. I love the way you read it. Yeah. Hi, Carolyn. Not a lot of new stuff for today's meeting, unless you have something. I figure we could finalize a couple of programs, maybe start December sign-up, discuss giving scholarships, membership. Have you thought about rules? And what will be our plan? I can run the meeting since there's nothing really new. And because I waited so long to contact you. Pause. Oh, now she's waiting even longer. A couple minutes later. <laughs> Jen's bringing crackers, pretzels, and cheese to our 530 meeting. I'll bring a veggie tray. What are you bringing? Yeah, and Carolyn didn't respond. Well, because I talked about it on the air, um, we got this. Sorry, dot, dot, dot. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I love how there was a little bit of admission that she didn't reach out, or she or he didn't reach out sooner. Yeah. Well, Well, the person texting Carolyn sounds like a a delightful human being. They sound like they work hard. They're doing uh, way more than they should. Or they're a control freak and passive aggressive. I'm telling you right now, I think Carolyn's dropping the ball. Uh, No. I think Carolyn is not responsible. This person might be, you know, saying, hey, I'll run the meeting because all of you are too stupid to run the meeting. But she acknowledged she waited too long. Yeah. (laughs) So now... I think the I, just I think kidding. The, I'm just trying to start stuff. I think the A15 texture is the winner in all of this. I think she needs a break. She seems very on top of her. She game. needs two weeks paid vacation. Why? Why am I keep assuming it's a she? Well, I guess because it's it Carolyn. It could be she or he. Yeah. Well, it was sent to Carolyn. And by the yes. way, Jan. Jan. How delightful is Jan? She's bringing crackers, pretzels, and cheese. I had a, a drama teacher named Jan, and she was fabulous. She Did was, she bring crackers, pretzels, and cheese? snacks to every uh, drama. I wonder if event. she's related to this Jan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe since the meeting never happened, they could bring him here. That's possible. So, but eight one five. Don't feel bad. Eight one five. Bad. You know, wrong texts happen all the time. I'm just glad you figured it out. Don't you get an auto reply from our text program? Yeah, but our text program is weird because it'll block some numbers, and other numbers will show up. 
you know, and normally you have to block them on the receiving just, end. Just really quick, I'm on a committee, and uh, I am the uh, Carolyn. See, and and the my friend. So you're is, the disappointment that yes, doesn't I step am. up. Yep, yep, and mm. she hates us all. Now Carolyn may be a delightful person. I'm just assuming. I'm reading between the wrong text lines here. Because it's more entertaining. Uh, but the person that accidentally sent this text, she deserves a raise. That's all I'm saying. By the way, remind me to uh, update Bill and Wendy on this later. I'm sure they haven't slept. It's uh, 649. Mary, what do you have? If you're Jeff Bezos and uh, you're the richest guy in the world, well, you're not anymore. Jeff Bezos had a rough Thursday. Yesterday afternoon, not yesterday day, not the entire day, yesterday afternoon, uh, Jeff Bezos lost $7 billion. B-I-L-L-I-O-N, $7 billion in about three and a half hours. As Amazon stock tumbled, their third quarter earnings disappointed investors. The stock went down almost 10% in after-hours trading. Uh, as a result, Amazon's Jeff Bezos, the world's richest person, is now second and lost $7 billion yesterday. How many billions does he have left, though? A bunch, bunch, a bunch, yeah, of billions. bunch of billions. See, I would love the opportunity to lose seven billion as long as I had a bunch more billions. Okay, but he comes home and he's explaining to his former mistress, now his girlfriend, maybe his next wife. Uh, ooh, rough day at work, honey. I don't care. We lost seven billion dollars, but we have fifty-five billions. It's a lot. I don't know yeah. what the total number is, but it's a lot. Well, and the uh, other concerning part of this is what they said they expect in the next quarter, the quarter that we're currently in, uh, maybe a, the loss of another $6 billion for the company. And uh, the expansion to one day, this one day delivery is apparently costing them quite a bit of money. I would just love to have rich people problems. Yeah. But see, we have to, as a society, decide what we want and stop bitching about the results of it if we really want it. For instance... Everybody's super psyched about Amazon Prime and their immediate delivery. They actually can deliver stuff now before you even think to order it. <laughs> um, but now, you know, what, you know what the big talk is in the last couple of days? The carbon footprint of all these trucks on the road from Amazon. Okay, you can't have it both ways. You're either going to get the one-day delivery or you're going to save the environment. What do you want to do? I'm going to go save the environment. I've quit doing the Amazon thing for in the beginning I thought you do, did one order like so you could order all of your like house supplies and then there's like one giant box for your like a roll of 16 like t you know toilet tissue rolls and I was like Why is it all toilet paper this morning? I don't know, I'm just yeah. letting you know and then it's like you know one box for this and one box for that and it all comes in separate boxes with through separate people and then I was like okay this is horrible I'm not doing this anymore. So you're trying to save the environment as well. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I just don't order like supplies through. Mm. I'm like, okay, I just have to get over to Target or wherever and buy this. Yeah, or do the pickup where you order stuff up mm -hmm. from Walmart and then you just drive over there and they throw it in your car. That's yeah, awesome. That's also a carbon footprint yeah, issue right. there too, though. I mean, it's just got to get the one way or the other. Well, that's true, but it, but it's better than like big boxes a fifty stuff. item order coming in individual boxes with like you know bubble wrap. We'll figure all of this out before the end of the show today. First, I also try to steal stuff as much as I can. Oh, of, that's of door stuff. Yeah, that way you avoid all, any of this carbon footprint. And well, that's how you know, Joe. Yeah. That's how Joe stays Until in shape. Until you open it, and then He's you're fast. like, "Oh, it's just toilet paper." <laughs> well, not every package is a winner. I don't know if we'll have time to do this later, so uh, we should say hi to uh, Vivian's boyfriend George, who's in town again. I mean, George working overtime trying to make Vivian happy. He's here so early. Do you know what this is on California time? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like it's, Tuesday at 1 a.m. Good grief. I yeah. mean, the, the man is doing too much, I think. Yeah.
Yeah. Vivian, do you appreciate George for all that he's done coming in from L.A.? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Um, do you appreciate <laughs> the fact that he got up this early just so he could be with you? Yes, but he actually got me a little late this morning, so, um, so I don't out. appreciate that. Wow. That's, wow. that's, that's a tough weekend starting out bad. Guy's doing all he can. You know flew in from LA again. She is setting the standard now. <laughs> who come, uh, when you guys do this long distance thing, who visits more? Uh, and don't it, act like you don't know, because I know you do. It's George. It's George yeah. for sure. Does he yeah. have frequent flyer miles? He I does. hope so. <laughs> yeah, He's we, spending 95% of his salary just to get to Chicago <laughs> and back to LA. Oh my gosh, that is so true. It's so sad. So... <laughs> Um, all right. Well, anyway, George, great to see you. And um, we're trying to straighten Vivian out. But as you know, it's a lot of work. That's nice. So. Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks for being here, George. We all love you. And we love Vivian. <laughs> I tease because I love we her. We love her. All right. It's coming up on the news now. And uh, then more of the Steve Cochran Show with uh, Coach Fitz and Hamp on the Bears coming up. Stand by for that. Back to the Steve Cochran Show. Thanks. Have a great rest of the day. Go Cats. <laughs> Seven oh nine. Coach Fitz standing by on the phone. You know, uh, let me get over here right away. Hey, good morning, Coach. How are you? I'm doing great, buddy. How are you? Doing fine. And I thought something you said earlier this week was very important. It sort of reminded me of me. I hit Control Alt Delete every morning right after the show, uh, so that way when I get called into meetings, I can. I don't know. Oh, uh, but you do kind of have to have that mindset with this team, right? You can go, look, we know we're good. We know we got to get our act together. Let's start it right now. Yeah, well, you know, we're at the halfway point of the season, and you look back at some of the games that we've, uh, you know, beaten ourselves. And then we, you look at a couple of the games that, you know, quite frankly, we've gotten beaten. And last week was one of those team played outstanding that we played against. And, you know, you take a look at the reasons why and you educate the guys, and, and then you, you just hit reset and let's go move forward and, you know, stick to the keys to victory. Uh, you know, it's obviously starting the game fast, scoring points, taking care of the ball, and taking the ball away, and, and that's critical. We're minus eight right now in the turnover ratio, and it's killing us. And so, we've got to be much better uh, at that as a team. Well, that that certainly has been a problem. You, but you go against Ohio State now. Now you turn around, and here comes a team which has kind of become your rival. I, it's not like you just have one rival; you have multiple rivals, but. But Iowa seems to have filled that bill for you, and you've had some big games against them in the past. But but they're also a, a ranked team coming in here. So, uh, I mean, that do you kind of like the idea that that you're continuing to play really tough opponents here because you certainly get everybody's attention. I know that. Well, you know, you'd, you'd just like to get going and, and start playing consistent, Dave. I mean, that's the key thing for us. We, we're really focused inward and what we have to do and how we have to do things. The guys, again, put together a great week of practice. Now it's taking that focus through the weekend and, and understanding that that preparation just gives you an opportunity to compete. And now you got to go out and you got to make it happen. And, and I think, uh, you know, some of our inexperienced guys that are now halfway through their first year of playing, I think they've come to the realization of that. They finally are, you know, it's kind of like being a parent. You know, when you tell a kid, uh, you know, not to touch the stove and right. they kind of look at the stove a little bit and they kind of, eh, you know, whatever dad says and they touch the stove and they go, I'm not doing that again. And right. so that's my, how my, they my learn. Whole, yeah. Uh, uh-huh, you know, so I'm hoping to have a little bit of an aha moment here in some of these, uh, 
uh, you know, young, experienced guys are starting to become a little bit more savvy and veteran and understand what it takes to win a Big Ten football game. And uh, they're working really hard, and they're a great group of guys, and I love them dearly. But we've got to just squeeze every ounce of confidence out of them as a staff and, and put them in position to be successful. And obviously we're not doing that at a consistent enough uh, level as a staff to be able to help our guys win. You know, uh, you prep the way you prep. You treat uh, You know, you have a system that has worked for years and years and years. And this week's homecoming. Does homecoming hit the guys differently than it does the coaching staff? Is it a bigger deal of the team? You know, I, I think every homecoming for, for every football team is a big deal. And, uh, yeah, for the guys, we try to make it as normal of a week as we possibly can. A uh, little bit more on my plate. You know, I, I have more on my plate during this week than the typical game week. But uh, it's a ton of fun. We're, we're going to have a great reunion with uh, the 09 team, the team that played in the, in the 2010 Outback Bowl this weekend. We got – I think 50 to 75 guys coming back for that. That's going to be unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I, I just can't uh, can't wait to see those guys. Brendan Smith is going to be our honorary captain. And uh, as uh, Dave knows, my youngest son, uh, his name is Brendan, and it's uh, after Brendan Smith, that big interception return for a touchdown that he had up in Minnesota that year. Uh, Jack and Ryan decided to name their little brother uh, uh, Brendan. They wanted to call him Smitty, but... They wanted to call him Smitty, but they didn't. Uh, Stacy and I decided not to, so we didn't. We didn't think Smitty Fitzgerald had a good ring, so we went with Brendan. <laughs> Sounds like he'd have a card game in an alley behind your house. Yeah, really. Yeah, no doubt with a little fedora on, a little yeah. something sticking out of his lips in the fifth grade. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. By the way, Steve is wearing a fedora this morning, so that just well, how about that? that? Yeah. How about that? Away. Yeah, my friend Bridget Gaynor came in and said something only a woman could get away with. She looked at me and she went, "What's with the hat?" <laughs> I didn't say it was a terrible hat. Or you, imagine, you look like an idiot in that hat. Or your you hat's imagine, too big for that hat. Can you imagine I saying that, said, for a guy saying that to a woman? A guy, did you ask him if he, did you yeah, ask him if he I, got a bowl I, of soup I've, I've been hat? married for yes, 20 years. I can imagine a man saying lots of things about what I'm wearing. Do we want to go through the litany? <laughs> no, probably not. You're right. Um, that's what I would have said. I would have said, did you get a bowl of soup with that hat? Yeah. Or what? There you go. Daddy Shaq, one of the greats. All right, Dave, last word to you. All right, so um, you get four of the next five at home. I know last week was at home. It was a little out-of-the-ordinary kind of atmosphere Friday night and everything, but you guys have been tough at home, and that's kind of job one. How important is this stretch now where you get a bunch of home games after uh, playing in some real tough environments on the road early in the year? Yeah, critical, and I'm just so thankful for our fans and appreciative of their support, and uh, you know, we'll have a great crowd here for homecoming tomorrow, and you know, it's critical that we get on the winning track. Uh, you know, we want to get these seniors to the postseason. Obviously, we've uh, been a postseason team consistently now over my time. And, you know, we've played our way out of probably the discussion, you know, for sure out of the discussion the Big Ten West, and that's disappointing. But, you know, we've got an opportunity to send our seniors out the right way and, and uh, you know, finish this thing uh, the right way, get ourselves into the postseason and, and go win our fourth bowl game in a row. And, and I think that would be a great uh, – exclamation point to a season that's maybe been a little bit of a challenge and uh you know our focus though is going one and all this week let's go get the hawkeyes a team we have great respect for and uh you know really you know find a way to win for our fans especially those that can only make it back for homecoming to go out and play our best game of the year so far happy homecoming go cats all right thanks guys go cats there you go i don't know it felt like a downbeat go cats a little more pop in it you know i'm saying yours or his no coaches Oh, I, well, I think he's he's going to be saying it. He's got to do so many go cats between now and kickoff. Oh, so he's so he's. I think like, you have to pace yourself. Ah, uh, yeah, makes sense. Makes total sense. That's why you have a Hall of Fame 
uh, plaque at your house, and that's why the uh, Northwestern Broadcast Booth. Do you know this bridge? The Northwestern Broadcast Booth is a Dave Ennett Broadcast Booth. Nice. It's got a sign and everything. Here's the other thing we know about this game this weekend. The University of Iowa, two-thirds of the team in a recent survey, hate puppies, grandmothers, and rainbows. So, you know, you can, you can root for whoever you want. I'm just saying. That's, well, it might be. Could be true. <laughs> what time's the game? Game is at 11 o'clock, and uh, because the Blackhawks have an early game tomorrow also, so uh, we will have the game at WGNRadio.com and your handy WGN Radio app and on AM 1000 tomorrow. That's good. They need the programming. Here's the uh, difference between how men talk and how women talk. When I first shaved my head... Patty Vasquez. By the way, Patty Vasquez, I mentioned this, but she is running for state rep. Yeah, and, up on the uh, northwest side. And uh, is that the 19th, I think? Um, I don't remember numbers, but it's up on the northwest side, Edison Park, and um, up in that part of town. I, mean, I was at her kickoff last week. She did a great job. And um, and she's getting signatures and stuff, so she's going to be great, and I'm, I'm hoping she wins. Uh, but having said all that, Patty, who I've been friends with forever, I shaved my head for the first time, this, what, 10 years ago, probably? And she said, well, look at that. <laughs> and then there's a pause and she goes now you know <laughs> that's just that's just not even close to a compliment and then you my friend walk in with a hat and give me the i've never what's seen the you deal with a hat look if i came in and you had a skirt on i'd say what's up with the skirt and I've that never would seen be a legitimate you. question <laughs> i've never seen you in a hat so how weird is that that you've never seen me in a hat i wear hats all the time you know why because i don't have a lot of hair because i had my head shaved and patty said <laughs> well now you know <laughs> mystery solved it's just a different in language the words you use and the words our team uses dave you must i love karen your wife it, it, uh, but i'm sure you have said uh, things that have gotten you in trouble just because and you didn't mean to say anything that was troublesome but what you said and what she heard were entirely different things yeah. Many times. Yeah. Many times. Right. You know, I always think about this in terms of my mom, mm -hmm. even, so it's not even just in marriage, because my sisters and I always joke, you'll be going out, and she's like, are you going to, are you going to put on some lipstick? Are you going to, are you going to put on some makeup? Is that how, is that, is that the final? That's definitely is that what you're a doing? mother-daughter yeah. thing yeah. that happens. Like, I think if she was running for president, her slogan would be, are you going to, are you going to put on some makeup? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the other thing, though. Um, and this is more husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend stuff. How many times in America every single day and around the world does a woman say to a man, you wearing that? That's what you're wearing. I mean, I'm just checking. That's what you're wearing. And I always like to say, no, this is my practice outfit. <laughs> I like to practice getting dressed. And then I have the real clothes in the closet downstairs right next to the door that I'll change into. But the usual response is to, are you going to wear that? What's wrong with this? Oh, nothing's wrong with it. Just maybe you might want to change that up a little bit. Yeah, but I think that changes over the length of a relationship. Okay. Nothing wrong with that early, middle, I don't know, uh, long-term relationship. Seriously, go change. You're I not just, leaving I just house give like the I just give the look. Like, oh. <laughs> you have him right trained, away. Mary. Oh, yeah. This is good. For 34 years. How many years does it take to actually train your husband? <laughs> On clothing or... Lots of they things. never learn on clothing. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I'm proof of that. Um, but in other areas, I don't know. I think you it just wear on the golf man. clothes all day, every day. I told you, my clothing line is Steve Cochran's Coachwear, <laughs> and it's not Coach like the designer. It's Coach like the guy with the whistle. But, but who you are you wear coaching? jeans now? Uh huh. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, who am I coaching? Mm -hmm. The world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said.
set you up for that one. <laughs> Seven twenty-five. Bridget Gaines here. You know, Cook County Board, and of course, big shout over to Aon and uh, my friend and just great guest on the show all the time. We always appreciate you being here. So, school strike. Yes. Update from your perspective. You know the city. You know the county as well or better than anybody. Well, I also have a daughter that's been home for uh, almost a week, and there's nothing I love more than kids who sleep late with nothing to do. <laughs> so it's. As I'm at work, I'm calling and she's not answering. I, uh-huh. I, get up. What What are you doing? But she is, she's such a good student. She's already worried about how this affects her AP test. But my son, uh, Finn, who goes to Catholic school, he's senior. A senior in high school, he was supposed to take his ACT test tomorrow and they canceled it because he was taking it at Northside Prep. So I don't know what that's going to do because the, there's a November 1st early admissions deadline and then later so i and you you can't get it in if you don't have the test score yeah i don't know if they're going to make accommodations i don't know if they do that but we just got an email from them last night at like midnight from act that says the test is canceled you can't take it somewhere else i don't know why they can't open up another place but they it's canceled and so we have no idea what's going to happen i mean and i also think the bigger problem is kids who are there's a federal student financial aid deadline of november 1st and that is that's a a huge deal deal. it's a huge deal so i don't know what's going to happen and i yeah So uh, you get calls, I get calls, we get calls all the time from people who allegedly have inside information. Some of it's true, some of it's not. You have to know who your sources are. Um, I'm hearing that this is going nowhere fast, but then Steve is reporting that yesterday there was some progress made at least on class size. I don't know why they're not in a room, locked in a room until they figure it out. Well, look, I mean, it's... Back to our conversations about what happens in a marriage. Sometimes spending more time arguing about something doesn't necessarily lead you to a different conclusion. I think they're they. I don't think they either side could be more motivated to solve this. I don't think anyone enjoys being out on strike. They know that the toll it takes on families. I mean, look, it's tough to have someone in high school. It's nothing compared to having little kids, and you have to go to work. And so everybody figure all that out. yeah, Yeah, I mean, everybody knows how hard that is. The the mayor obviously wants to solve this, but she's got to balance solving it with the fact that you have to run the rest of the city and pay for it. And the teachers union, I know, wants to solve it. So, you know, nobody, it's not a lack of motivation. It's just that at some point, you know, it's like any agreement. Neither side is going to get everything that they want. At what point are you willing to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm willing to take less than I initially started out with. But you have to have a belief on the negotiating side that there's more there and you have to have some educated knowledge of what the limit is. So you know when to get out. I'm not sure CTU knows what that number is because they keep saying they, they keep making it sound like the mayor and the city are holding back. Look, I think if you're from a perspective of you're in a school every day and you see kids who desperately need social work services or they desperately need health care, you want to say, look, you can push harder. People can figure it out. You know, you can create new taxes. There's always this talk about financial transaction taxes or more property taxes. I think the mayor's got to balance what how much can you tax before people start to make different decisions about whether or not they're going to stay in the city, whether or not they're going to invest. And, and yeah. she's looking at that larger picture. And so, you know, which is her job, which is exactly her job. All right. So here's the deal. 728. We're going to come back. We're going to do the headlines. Hamp will be on and then we'll continue this. And Bridget will solve the teacher strike uh, before she leaves the show this morning. Uh, so congratulations on that, everybody. <laughs> Am I a hostage until I, that yep, happens? That's okay. how it works. Uh, headlines next. 720 WGM. An animal. Dan Anchors a young bear's defense. An animal! It's time.
sponsored by Chevy Drive, Chicago.com. Must win. Must win. And it's more must win than last week's must win. This is a musterer win. Well, a mustier. Yeah, that too. Yeah. The Hall of Famer Dan Hampton joins us. And again, sponsored by Chevy Drive, Chicago.com. I drive a Chevy. Hamp drives a Chevy. Wouldn't you like to drive a Chevy too? All right, Hamp, am I right? It's a musty win. Yeah, yeah, you are, but you know what? You shouldn't be so uh, so mean. You're you're putting them in a must win situation. I, you know that, that will stress them out. You know, I, I got to tell you, this is uh, this is bizarre. You know, a lot of people uh, have the the Chargers as a Super Bowl contender, and of course the Bears were strutting around all summer, telling us how you know they're going to be Super Bowl contenders, and and the, the loser of this game. I mean, it's it's put a fork in, and so it's uh, yeah, it's uh, we're on the edge of a cliff. We gotta we gotta fight it and fight and find a way to win. And you know, at some point, you uh, you just gotta start making plays. And after the way the offense played last week, uh, it's starting to affect other parts of the team. You know, it's ironic. We went into this uh, season screaming, "Oh, oh me, the kicker! The the kicker's been great." But now the offense stinks and the defense is getting soft. So, you know, this team is not who we thought they were. And all week long we heard about the coach, Matt Nagy, saying, oh, well, we're going to have a players-only meeting and we're going to get our captains. And You're supposed to get this stuff done in August, you know, that that not in uh, the end of October. So we'll see. We'll see. But uh, it's going to be a pretty interesting game for sure. You know, uh, it's a fear of sounding like a couple of old guys waiting for some more lemonade to be brought up by the kids. You and I have had this conversation before. There's a mentality of the modern athlete that is different than what you guys did in the 80s and even what was thought between the years in the 90s and the 2000s. Uh, do these guys understand, the modern athlete, do they understand the situation they're in to the level of severity about the urgency that's needed to get this done this weekend? That is a really good question. And my my gut answer is I don't think so. Think about this. Think about this. And, and, and again, this is just a takeaway. But you know and I know, you know, the quarterback is what the quarterback is. And he's supposed to be, you know, the leader of the team. Think of Tom Brady, think of Dan Marino, think of Joe, whatever. Well, it was a 60-degree day last week, and our quarterback had his hands in a little hand warmer. And I'm thinking to myself, the coaches are on the sidelines with monsters of the midway sweatshirts, <laughs> and the quarterback's got his hands in the hand warmer. He's and it's a 60-degree day. I'm just thinking, has, has it got, has, have we gotten that soft? So, I don't know. You tell me. Does this team look like the team that would go out there and, you know, kick sand in the, in the bully's face and say, hey, let's go? It, right now, they just – they don't seem to me to have the same grit that they did a year ago. And somehow, somewhere, that's the coach's job to help them fight it. What have we heard this week, Hemp? We've heard an acknowledgement from Matt Nagy that he knows they got to run the ball. His quote was, I'm not an idiot. Um, and, and look, I mean... <laughs> that to run the ball seven times i mean i think everybody realizes that that just that's one of those things that can't happen so do the bears come out sunday and just try to shove it down the chargers throats on the ground and and just just run the ball and just try to get that going early in the game 
much, you know, it, it, football is, at the end of the day, a lot of it is decided by the, the test of wheels. And when you run the ball, that is where you're saying, okay, we're, we're, we're superior in strength and size and, and we're tougher and we will work. You know, the pass is kind of like the uh, cheating. You know, you get to throw it 40 yards and, woo, you know, one guy <laughs> catches it and everybody runs down the field. You know, high five. Running the ball, it, I mean, it's hard work. And a lot of people have to do their job, you know, thankless blocking and, and fighting and pushing. And, and Well, yeah. I think it's time this team says, hey, we are good enough to run the ball. Now we're going to show you. And this is a perfect team to do it against because they've got some, uh, you know, some pretty good pass rushers, and pass rushers don't want to play the run. For us to abandon the run so quickly, like we did last week, where I think we only ran it five times in the first half, and twice, you know, uh, you know, during the game we fumble. Out of seven carries, we fumble on two runs. I mean, that's, that's insanity. So this is the week, hopefully, you know, Maggie gives it the okay, but, you know, Mark Alfred is the offense coordinator, and we just, we've had, you know, you know what kind of game plans thus far. We are not doing what we have to do to make ourselves, uh, a, you know, a tough offense to defense. Look what the Saints did last week. I mean, it was a joke. We didn't have a, uh, our fourth first down until somewhere late in the third quarter. So, yeah, this offense has a lot to prove, and Matt Nagy is the, the first guy up that has to show it. Would you trade for a quarterback right now? Or sign somebody that's out? Okay, who you got? Uh, that's you know, just I, it. I, you know, I mean, I don't know. You know, that guy hasn't played in three years, so. And you got to take I, a I'm cap hit for other people. I mean, it's it's not it's not, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not. And, you know, that's, that's the thing uh, that, you know, everybody says, oh, fire the coach. Okay, who you got? Who are you going to bring in? Think about this. You know, we couldn't wait to get rid of Fox. But Matt Nagy, we hire him after he botches a playoff loss. So, you know, at some point, you know, it, it's not as easy as it sounds, but there's no quarterback. You know, the only, the only you know, okay, in the, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, what if Nick Foles gets healthy and they want to go with Gardner Minshew and they, want to, they don't want Foles lurking in the background with day trading? Well, you know what I know. That Ryan Pace, if he trades for quarterback, if he even whispers the name quarterback, you know, or to anyone, and he gets back, he's going to look like the biggest horse's ass because he traded up and gave away the world to get this kid. So, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's almost a death sentence if he does that. So, no, I don't think that this team will. Would I? <laughs> You're damn right. You know, you, you again, we, we tried to talk. OB and I talked to the team this summer. Okay, you were 12 and 4, and yeah, that's good, but it ain't good enough. You've got to be able to win a playoff game, guys. You know, that, that comes in handy. Well, now the team has kind of gone backwards, and the window is, is closing. Because think about this we thought our offensive line was going to be good. It's not. We thought that Akeem Hicks would have another great year. He's on IR. We thought Kyle Long was going to be a he's, – he's off the team. So all these things happen. You only get – you know, and life's cruel. Sometimes you get a lot of chances. Sometimes you don't. You have to make them. This is a team that is squandering a great opportunity. Now, if they could get a quarterback or you know somebody, 
Call me when we get off the phone here, and, and, and I will. Uh, I, I'll make. I'll make some noise up in uh, Ellisville. <laughs> Dave, had it last word. Well, let's uh, quickly to the defense. Hamp. One of the issues that kind of popped up this week a little bit was the play of Roquan Smith. And uh, hasn't quite reached the level I think that was expected of him in his second year. And he, of course, he had the game where he missed earlier this year because of a, a, a personal issue. What do you see from Roquan Smith, and and how concerned are you that maybe this isn't uh, going to be the kind of year that everybody hoped it would be for him? There's no question he has regressed. And you know what? Go back and look at the film early in that game against the Saints. Eddie Jackson was was being drugged around three four yards on tackles. Roquan, even Danny Trevathan. This this entire defense, they are not playing with the same edge that we saw even back you know a month ago against the Packers and the Vikings. So something's going on. But Roquan has he he's, he's basically taken you know invisible pills. During the course of the game, you'll see him around, but he's not in on the tackles. And that defense basically is designed for him. The weak side inside linebacker will not be blocked. He can use his speed. He's, a, you know, become a tackling machine, and he has it. And even when he does, you know, somehow get close to the ball carrier, he's being drug around. So there's something going on. He's regressed. I don't know what it is. You can't blame it all on Akeem Hicks's, uh, uh, you know, uh, of inavailability. It, it's about the rest of the guys, and who knows? But sooner or later, you know, this will all come out in the wash. We'll find out what's going on, and you know that that mysterious game that he missed. Did that have a big impact, or it was is that kind of like a, 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 a situation that created you know some kind of a, a problem with this kid? I don't know. I don't. You know, I didn't think there was any kind of a you know mental problem. Uh, when we uh, we drafted him, all this has kind of like you know come out the last month and a half. But all I know is, you know, you can't you can't play defense if you get drug around. Sooner or later, the rest of the world sees it. Uh, Super Joe, prediction on the game. I actually have the Bears bouncing back, twenty four fourteen. Not really sure why. I like that thought, Dave. I have the Bears twenty to seventeen. I got an ugly game, Ham. 13-10 Bears. Yeah, 10-9 Bears win. Find a way. And hang on. We'll see what happens. We've got to go to Philly next week, so this is a must win. We'll see you Monday. Go Bears, baby. Thank you, buddy. Um, and, uh, G, did you want to chime in on a prediction? For uh, no. All right, just checking. I can. Bridget, you got a prediction for the game? Well, I'm just kind of harkening back to last week when everyone was, like, so bullish on Wisconsin crushing Illinois. Mm-hmm. What was it 31 points? Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't going to bring that up, but what? Time, how early did you leave that game? <laughs> we actually didn't make it to the game. Oh, oh no. no. No, because I had to go somewhere with my mom on Saturday oh. night, and so I was like, I was a little bit afraid about getting stuck down there, and so I said to the boys, I'm like, okay, how about big breakfast, and we'll hit the road. So they said, okay. I want to hear how they did it Friday night by themselves. They did great. Oh. You know what? No arrests. My, my advice was like, don't be an idiot. Don't embarrass me. And, you know, they did. Um, you missed That's one awesome. of the great games 
I know. Well, football this is the thing. We listen to it on the radio in the car, and two, one of the boys uh, is going to Wisconsin, probably. His parents are from Wisconsin. His mom went to Wisconsin for college, so the radio. I don't know. We've got buttons yep, that are attached all over the place. <laughs> Last week, Bridget Gaynor was telling us that uh, they're going to give a house away. This is part of the land bank situation that uh, you are rightfully excited about every year. And we saw something we don't see very often. We saw a picture of Tony Preckwinkle smiling as she helped present the keys. Who, who got the house? So it was really exciting. So this is the third year in a row that we uh, have give away a house. And it's really exciting because basically you take a house that's been vacant. So it's been kind of a bit of an eyesore. Right. And... You know, you turn it into something great. And so I'm really excited. And we were out there in Maywood, and now it's on a block where, you know, someone's going to live there and be happy with their family, and it's awesome. And so, it was a, a single mom again? Yeah. Single mom, having a great time. You know, she's never owned a house before. She was kind of doubled up. And that's just life changing. It is absolutely life changing. Like, I, I think it's. You know, it's one of the most exciting things that we do. And, you know, Vanessa Johnson was the name of the woman that won the house. And the thing about the land bank is we really, we came about after the financial crisis when there was all these vacant houses. And not because people didn't want to live in those neighborhoods. It's because things got so caught up in court and it was impossible to figure out who owned the house, how to clear it out of foreclosure. I mean, the banks could barely figure out how to do this, no less an individual. And... We clear the the title, we clear it out, we push it back out into the market. And since then, you know, coming up in a couple of weeks, actually not even a couple of weeks, next, in a, yeah, a couple of weeks, there's going to be our 500th rehab. And so that Wow, means, what a milestone. Huge milestone. You had 500 houses that were sitting there vacant, most of them for years, and now someone's living in them. And so uh, this has been, you know, as you know, the thing I've loved the most about being involved in politics. Well, it's pretty cool when you can actually do the public good yeah. in the way that you're supposed to do right, the public right. good. Um, so that's a good deal. Uh, it was does a ton of fun. Cook County Board do uh, that stuff on the website? I mean, do they, they well, put up The Cook County Land Bank has stuff? a website. And, and look at it. What bank, is it? Cook County Land Bank. Dot org, org, probably. Yeah. yeah, dot org. And anybody who is interested in buying houses, there's, you know, we have a thousand, we have over a thousand houses that we have acquired that we're, you know, clearing up the back title and all that good stuff and putting it out on the market. And, you know, since then, there are another seven and a half million dollars in taxes gets paid every year because mm-hmm. of the land bank because people are living in these houses now. And there's there's additional forty two million dollars in what we call community wealth, which is what's the difference between what someone bought the house from the land bank and then what they sold it to a homeowner. So no, this is huge. Yeah, it's great. Huge. It's been it's been a ton of fun. Uh, more coming up. Stand by for that. Dean after the news. The news next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom on WGN. Ladies and gentlemen. Dean Richards joins us from Channel 9. Citizens of the world. Some of the world's greatest entertainers are here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you. And tonight, guess what? It's going to be Dean. We go live to Los Angeles where Dean Richards is standing by in a special remote moron entertainment. How remote are you? I am in beautiful Los Angeles, California, where uh, it got into the 90s yesterday. Yep. Temperature was in the, the 90s. And, of course, all the news that you're hearing about the, the rampant wildfires, that's you know that's the that that's all that's on television here it's i think i, I read that it's spread uh 
3,000 uh, miles uh, this morning, and it's it's still out of control. It's it's unbelievable to watch the devastation from those. Uh, I think you probably mean 3,000 acres. 3,000 miles would mean the whole country's on fire. So that's probably 3,000 yeah. acres. That's exactly what I mean. Yeah, yeah no, it must be 3,000 acres. And yeah, wine it is six o'clock. Yeah, they are. They're burning morning. wine country. Yeah, sign yeah, of the sign yeah. of the apocalypse. Yeah, as we said, Halloween decorations and burning of wine country. Yeah, the grapes yeah. and the lights, the orange and black lights. Um, and you're in LA for what? Uh, last night, I saw the very much anticipated uh, the Irishman movie that was oh, made by Ma- right? Martin Scorsese and De Niro, uh, Pacino, but Pesci. There's a new book out, so it's you know obviously about Jimmy Hoffa and who actually yeah. killed him. But there's yeah. a new book out that is written by the guy that was the stepson of the Irishman, and he goes through he and he was a federal prosecutor, but he kind of goes through in detail over all the thing. I. It's such have you read it yet? No, I haven't. It's just the book review was in the paper the other day. But my mother used to say when we were growing up, like, Jimmy Hoffa's body could be under that bed. <laughs> and so I never really, or like, Jimmy Hoffa's body could be down there. Like, if, if something was, like, right, a right, big right. mystery. It was Jimmy Hoffa. Jimmy Hoffa's body could be there. Dean, is there a Greek equivalent to that from moms? Uh, well, you know, the... Uh the equivalent of that was there are starving children in uh, India. Oh, see, I was no, we had that one too. I that thought you were going to say Telly Savalas's body could be under there. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no, we don't have Telly Savalas's lollipop I, could be under there. Yeah, so that's it. That's what I'm talking about. All yeah, right, my, so my so, mother to this day is uh, you know there are starving children in China. So you know, so one of these days I'm going to get to China. I would like to take some food to them. <laughs> right, because they got to be hungry. Uh, all right, so uh, I assume you can't talk about it yet, or can you? No, I, I, it's uh, it's going to open in theaters next Friday. So, uh, it, it's going to be in theaters for uh, two weeks, just a few theaters, too, not very many. This is before an exclusive then, Netflix run, right? And then it's going to run on uh, Netflix oh. for quite some time. And uh, now here's here's the thing about this movie. I mean, it's, it's the story of uh, Jimmy Hoffa, but... The, this movie is centered on uh, this this guy that worked for uh, Jimmy Hoffa and was just sort of a, a fix-it guy for the mob. Um, is that De Niro's character? That's De Niro's character, who is just, you know, he's this r- reliable guy that everybody turns to to fix things, a.k.a. kill people mm-hmm. when, when necessary. Uh, so it focuses on him and other uh, real life people that, that we've all heard about, and then uh, evolves into the, the story of how Jimmy Hoffa came to power, how Jimmy Hoffa uh, fell out of power. Jimmy Hoffa is played by Al Pacino in this, and is absolutely amazing. Here's this, is, and the movie is uh, just over three and a half hours. So, so I wow. think you know Ugh. the way for most people to see this movie is going to be on Netflix, where you can hit the pause. But uh, having said that, now, now, Bridget just had a friend text her, and this is a question I don't think we've ever... Oh, this mom. is from Mom. Yeah. I don't think we've ever asked you this live on the air, Dean, and we've discussed it sort of, but you're the biggest expert in the world on this. What does your mom want to know? So my mom just sent in a text to say, ask Dean. So, Dean, I think you've heard my mom on the radio before. What do you think of the new reclining seats and the food and drink while you're watching the movie with your <laughs> shoes off like you're in someone else's house? Just FYI, before you answer... She hates it. 
A movie's two hours. <laughs> when can't you sit in a regular seat up straight without eating or drinking like we always have? Or snoring or having your stinky shoes Or taking shoes your off. shoes off. Yes. All right, so you're not a fan, yeah. I, I'm not a fan of those uh, movies where they, you know, they come and serve you spaghetti and meatballs while you're eating. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, and, uh, you know, they bring you all these food and, you know, you're you're laying out like you're in your underwear at yeah. home. You're not in your underwear at home. You're at a theater with other people. And normally for, for a two and a half hour movie, I couldn't agree with mom more. Just sit like a big boy in, in a big chair. And it's not that bad. Now, for a three-and-a-half-hour movie, you, a, a recliner would not have been a terrible idea. That's not the point with this. The movie is too long. This this okay. movie is it's a master class in uh, filmmaking. Scorsese has beautifully uh, made this movie. It's stunning to see the, the, uh, the artful craftsmanship in which this movie is made. It's stunning to see... Robert De Niro, probably his best role since Raging Bull. Stunning wow. to wow. see uh, Joe, Joe Pesci is going to win an Academy Award. Hey, hey what are you looking at me? Hey, hey, Dean, you looking at me? Hey, Dean, look at me yes. when you talk to me. Don't look at me. You know what? There's there's part of that that, that you know you kind of laugh to yourself because it's the way Pesci talks, but it's become so uh, you know kind of cliche in a way that uh, you know it's it's. Uh, but but it's powerful. His performance is so powerful. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is a there. There are long dialogues in this movie. They don't have to be that long. You, you you really have to stay with it. That really did not have to be as long as they were. So definitely worth seeing. Definitely, I'm going to give it a dean's list A. But it's not like other movies. I, I honestly I can't even think of another three and a half movie. Well, you know what three and a half, uh, three and half hours hour is three and a, a three and a half hour movie is. You know what that is? That's two movies, and that's why it's not okay. It just it's too damn yeah. long. And, and by the it's way, because you, your schedule's so jammed up with incredibly important I've things, got that you, other don't, naps you don't have to time. Take. Uh, but here's the thing: those recliners. I don't, I, maybe I'm the only one, but the older I get, the more germ phobic I am, and I cannot yeah. sit in those seats without thinking, "Who was in this chair before me, and what happened here?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what? As as uh, you know, just about anyone will do when you take a little nap. There might be a little slobbering that goes uh, <laughs> along the way. I I will often sit there if, if I have to be in a theater that's got those uh, seats. It's not my first choice. I will wear a hoodie. I'm practically wrapped up like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like in a toxic waste suit, so I don't have to touch anything. And I've seen Dean do this. When he goes out to his car, he burns his clothes. He just takes all of his clothes <laughs> off, leaves them right there next to the car, and sets them on fire. Right. I don't even care if it's wintertime. I'm taking it all off. It's gross. You know what this, rem- want- you know what this reminds me of? My dad used to always say and when he was still working, He's like, all these young people walk into a meeting with a bottle of water. Like He goes, we're here for 45 minutes. Is it, you, you cannot get through 45 minutes without drinking? And we're not in the desert. Like, You know what the bottle of water is? The bottle of water is the modern binky. This is the adult binky. No, you know what it is? You got to constantly It's the sip. new cigarette. And this is a tragedy. Well, same it's thing. Set, cigarettes are same bad thing. for you. Zero but, fixation. But he was always like, what's... Am I missing something? Are we going to be taken hostage and no one's going to Well, but Dane and drink? I were talking about this one of our high-level moron entertainment meetings. When did we get so thirsty to begin with? Dane, when, when you and I were growing up, an eight-ounce bottle of soda was uh, good for the entire day. 
Now, if you don't right. have 32 ounces of pop in front of you, you go, hey, somebody screwed me. That's because everybody's always telling you, you got to drink your equivalent of eight things, you know, times your body weight, blah, blah, blah. I blame 7-Eleven. Drives you nuts. The big gulp. The big gulp is what is, is what changed America. Started, started yeah. this all, started our yeah. fixation the with... The decline uh, that, yeah. Yeah. No Getting question. Getting to the end. All right, stay awake, buddy. We'll come back with more. <laughs> Good news for Dean. 620 in L.A. Stand by in just a second. I just want to ask you about a couple of things for the weekend. You'll be calling his name. Oh, 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 oh. Dean Richard, the entertainment editor. All right, back to L.A. with Dean Richard. This is Moron Entertainment. Bridget Gaynor is here. Uh, all right, so Dean, uh, a lot of people don't know, along with uh, celebrity real estate, you also do Dean's celebrity tours of the extras homes, where you go around and you show people where famous extras have lived. Is that still happening? Right. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I do that uh, when I, whenever I'm out here in Hollywood. Uh, people like to know, um, like to see the house of uh, the guy that was always sitting in the back of the bar in Cheers, who really never had any lines. Right. A lot of people want to know where he lived. Right. Uh, lady on the gurney, who was always right. featured in ER. That's uh, right. also another right. very, right. very, very famous one. And we have, uh, I, I used to use a, a tour bus, but that was too expensive. So uh, now I just rent a, a Prius and we uh, we just drive around and uh, you know go to In-N-Out Burger. People seem to like that. We're out here also. Where People go to L.A. and they want to see stars. Where is the place? I know, I know there's paparazzi everywhere, but where is the place? That everybody uh, is, celebrities are all going now. Is there a is there a you know a, a new Spago of the early '90s kind of place? Well, you know there is. Uh, when people come out here, I always tell them if you want to guarantee see uh, one or two stars, uh, the the place to go is the uh, the bar at the Four Seasons Restaurant. That's where we uh, normally do a lot of the interviews. In fact. That's where uh, I, I talked with the, the cast of The Irishman on the red carpet in front of the Chinese Theater last night. Uh, and that's where I'm going to interview Robert De Niro one-on-one today at the Four Seasons. So you you just hang out in the bar. Just go to the bar at the Four Seasons, have a drink. You'll see uh, two or three people. They they always just stop in and they have a drink. And no, you don't bother them. You don't you it's know, true go, here too. go up to them and make a big deal. But uh, they're just walking around like everybody else in the bar, you know, eating cocktail peanuts. And it's it's kind of fun. Actually, plus, it, plus peninsula- if it all goes bad, then you've had a drink at the Four Seasons. So Not it's so all bad. Good. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. It, now, the drink at the Four Seasons does cost $47. Yeah. That's the downside. You of the, you, but then you you're not paying for the tour of stars. Yeah, so you're balancing this out. The Peninsula Bar here is almost guaranteed to see anybody famous who's in Chicago and not from here is going to be in here. And if not, the Peninsula Bar, the drive through at Portillo's, right across from the old Rock and Roll McDonald's, that's where they hang out. Always there. always good. You know where else uh, a lot of uh, Chicago uh, paparazzi and you know the glitterati hang out, the William Tell uh, Hotel uh, out in Countryside. <laughs> right. <laughs> Still have the hourly rate too. Congratulations! Yeah, they, well, which is, which is nice. And there's a White Castle that's just right down the road there. I, I think Joliet Road. I think you're Lagrange Road. One of the roads, but right by the William Tell. Anything we ought to be seeing this weekend that's already out? Anything else you want to tell me before you plug your show on Sunday? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, there's uh, this movie that's called The Current War, a director's cut with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Michael. That Shannon. looks awesome. 
it's it's a really interesting, uh, really uh, well made movie about how this new invention of electricity is going to be distributed around America. Uh, is it going to be with Thomas Edison's plan? That's who Benedict Cumberbatch plays, or is it going to be distributed the way that George Westinghouse wants it? That's who Michael Shannon plays. Uh, two really interesting movies, and here's a crazy concept: the movie is under two hours. They what? managed to somehow tell a story in under two hours. What? Which is are, you, are you on Sunday? Are you back to do the show? I am. I'll okay. be uh, Sunday morning. We'll be we'll be back to do the show. But before all of that, tomorrow morning, nine thirty, uh, our uh, our WGN Sunday morning team is walking in the Alzheimer's oh, uh, walk tomorrow morning just out soldier field if you want to come and walk with us we're going to meet at the stage at nine thirty. if you can't walk with us but you want to do something to help uh those who are living with alzheimer's caretakers of uh alzheimer's research for alzheimer's go to alz.org click on donate and then click on donate to a walker search search for bgn uh and then you can click on our team and uh, make a donation right to our team cool all right thanks for getting up man all right, we'll see you Monday. There you go. That's Dean live from L.A., and we're back with the headlines next. Melissa Isaacson is uh, just a flat-out great writer. And, and by the way, a very decent human being, too. Always like Melissa. Yeah, it's great. Uh, award-winning sports writer, author, public speaker, 30-plus years doing what she does, and uh, covered everything in sports over that time, mostly for the Chicago Tribune, also ESPN. First uh, female beat writer assigned to cover the Bulls and the Bears. She covered the Michael Jordan Bulls over their six NBA titles. Now she's a big shot professor at Northwestern. You ever run into her on campus? Then? I've not seen her on campus, but I know Melissa very well. Do you think she's going to write a full-length profile piece about the Dave Ennett broadcaster? I don't think so. I think she's got better things to write about. Oh, man, I don't know about that. Uh, the brand new work is a brand new book, and uh, Melissa joins us now. Good morning. How are you? Wow. Thank you. Uh, good. And Dave, you're not looking very carefully because I'm strolling constantly with a bottle of water in my hand, and you should stop me. You should you should look more carefully. I will. I will. I will. But, but I'm with you on the water, though, because I I I'm not that thirsty. I don't understand it. I, I really were we all dehydrated growing up? I don't understand that. My, anyway, my, I like that. you know, my thing about the bottled water is if my father was still alive, bottled water, bottled, bottled, the thing about the bottled water, it, it would kill him. He would just go. How much you spend on that? How much you spend on that yeah, idiot? And he'd die right there. But you could buy like twenty-seven Tribunes, you know, right? Come on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, State is the book. It's about the Niles West basketball team. By the way, we just got a text from somebody. It says, love Melissa's book. I was an eighth grade basketball player at Gemini Junior High in Niles when they won. Love that team. So that's wow. always nice to hear. Very and, nice. And, uh, but it's much more than a basketball book. So talk about why you wrote it. Yeah, you know, it started with the Chicago Tribune column uh, 15 years ago, um, just on the 25th anniversary of the state championship, she's kind of talking about things that I discovered that I never knew about how our coach at the time, Arlene Mulder, had you know, secretly sort of huddled in the corner of teachers' lounges and scrawling notes with the boys' coach at the time, Billy Schneer, who taught her 
how to teach us. And uh, how our principal, Nick Manis, was running down state every weekend fighting with the people to uh, with the IHSA to, to get us varsity sports, to get girls to even be allowed to play uh, interscholastic basketball. They thought it was too dangerous and we were taking up valuable gym time. So it was kind of these cool things that I had found out and uh, and it became sort of the skeleton of the book. It just took a long time for various reasons to get published. Um, I'm thankful to Agate Publishing in Evanston for for finding the story, uh, you know, as interesting as I did. But it became, it started as a basketball book largely, and it really became, like you said, much more than that and more about what was going on around us. When you see the WNBA today or yeah. other, or, or the uh, Chicago Red Stars soccer team is playing for a championship this weekend out in North Carolina. I mean, they've they've gotten a lot of attention this year after the Women's World Cup. Do you do you kind of harken back to this and think, well, look how things have changed since 1979? For sure. I mean, I think that in some ways, yes. I mean, you know, things have been great. But, if, you know, on the flip side, in 1979, we had the Chicago Hustle. We had the Women's Basketball Association. And we thought, are you kidding? Like, We'll have professional sports in every single sport for women. You know, I'll be the general manager of the Bulls, and, you know, my friends will be coaches in the NBA. And, and you know, we'll we'll do whatever the heck we want, and we'll be paid equally. And that was never, not that we sat around talking about equal pay, but certainly if somebody would have said in 40 years, you know, there'll be hundreds of thousands of people filling soccer stadiums cheering for women, we'd be like, of course, you know, are you kidding? Yeah. And then, well, yeah, but they'll be chanting for equal pay. I think we would have been a tad disappointed at that. So, you know, you could look at it both ways. I'm thrilled that the WNBA is is in their 20s now. Um, At the same time, I'm, you know, I'm disappointed that we're still fighting the same fights. Um, Actually, you kind of, uh, that was the question I was going to ask you, just the fact that we have come such a long way, but at the same time, that is happening right now, and a lot of uh, the news stories are being inundated with uh, stories like with the U.S. women's soccer team. But then also I saw an interesting uh, story about, uh, you know, Major League Baseball and how there's a lot of women that want to play baseball versus softball. Mm-hmm. Um, and just sort of your thoughts on that that type of situation, and on top of that, also women coaching in men's leagues as well. Yeah, I wrote a story on that years ago about some really talented women's baseball players, and, and certainly, um, you know, you should have the opportunity to, to do what you want. There are women out there who don't like softball, who feel, you know, like uh, – Look, they're not going to get college scholarships playing baseball, and and they're going to have maybe a tougher time going on. But there are leagues for for women's baseball, and, uh, yeah, you know, you should kind of be allowed to do what you want. I I played softball growing up 12-inch and fast pitch, and I loved it. And so, yeah, I'm not going to bash softball. But what was the other thing with men's leagues? Was it coaching, did you say? Well, just that women uh, coaching men's in major men's leagues. Right. No, I think that's terrific. I mean, the disturbing thing is there's still a really small percentage of women um, coaching women. Um, you know, as soon as, and this was happening in the 70s, as soon as it started becoming sort of 
attractive, if you will, um, for for to coach a women's team and a girls team. That as the salaries started rising a bit and women athletes became, you know, better, and it was clear how dedicated we were. All of a sudden, it became a really good job for men, and so they started taking those jobs, and and they still have a majority of those jobs. So that's sort of disturbing in a way and you wonder if there are enough women out there looking for them um i think there are and and qualified women and particularly in high school it's a really small percentage of women coaching girls teams right now in basketball anyway so what do you think is the most important next step in terms of gaining more equality for women in sports Mm. it's a big question the women yeah, that's that's pretty. I mean, you know, women's soccer is doing what they have to do. They're they're you know taking it to court. I mean, we we have to um, continue to fight, continue to try to keep people interested in these stories. Is what competing for the news these days, you know, um, and and it's unfortunately that kind of tends to slide down a little bit. But as long as women, like the women's soccer team, continue to represent themselves the way they have, and unfortunately winning, you know, is a big deal. I mean, if they weren't world champs and, and Olympic champs, um, it would be a little harder to get our attention. Melissa, I'd also say, you got to demand it. When you know you're right, you right. have to demand it. Men would certainly demand it. You, Absolutely. If, if you're right, you can't say, oh, it's okay. Because when you say, oh, it's okay, the argument ends. you got to stand up for what's right, and that's why these women who have stood up for the women's soccer team are going to be remembered for doing something pretty historic. What were you going to add, Dave? No, absolutely. And, yeah, you have to be willing to, you know, to have people not like it that you're standing up and you're fighting. Because it is really easy to say, yeah, whatever. I mean, you know, we were being kicked out of locker rooms. I mean, that was, you know, a while ago, but... First, we were being kicked out of locker rooms. Then we were just being mistreated in locker rooms. And those of us, and, and I won't even put myself in that category because I think I did spend a lot of years sort of saying, just don't notice me. Just just let me slide in and do what I have to do. Um, and But there were women who were willing to stand up and, and make that fight. And they weren't very popular. And more than that, they were really, really ostracized and and. and you know, abused with, with terrible hate mail. And I got a share of that, but, um, you know, you, you have to, there's always in every kind of generation, there are the people who stand up and fight and yeah, it, history will show that they're great and brave, but at the time it's really, really difficult and they're usually not treated very well. It's been 40 years since yeah. you, your team won state, uh, at Niles West. Uh, so as you wrote the book, as you talked to your, former teammates it was it a transformational moment in all of their lives as it apparently was for you that was the coolest part about the reporting was finding out how life-changing it was because in those days you know you guys will remember you didn't talk about what was going on in other people's houses my mom would always say you never know what's going on behind closed doors you know the so-and-so is getting divorced you know they'd whisper it to you Mm -hmm. um because you weren't supposed to know the neighbors are getting divorced and so much more than divorces were happening i would find out and so that became sort of the mantra of the book that basketball saved us in essence and you know there was there was alcoholism and there was mental health issues and there were deaths in the family that we didn't even know about in some cases my best friends were having horrible things going on i was dealing with my parents sort of very early stages of alzheimer's and you just didn't talk about it and so what basketball did aside from getting us out of the house 
was was give us this unbelievable sense of confidence and self-esteem and and just access to all these lessons that boys had gotten since they were five and playing t-ball that we just never had before that so the whole world opened up to us in this four-year period in high school and it was unbelievable going from not being allowed to practice or play in the boys gym we called it it was the main gym to four years later playing before standing room only crowds and 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 you know, having the town rally around us and beating Jackie Joyner's team in East St. Louis. So it was an incredibly transformative time right past Title IX, and and that was the most unbelievable experience for me as a writer to discover all these things. feels like a movie. Oh, well, thanks. I I mean, that'd be cool. And my teammates were so generous in sharing their stories. You know, following up on what Steve said, initially it was a Hollywood producer that first read your column 15 years ago. And is there any interest in the book now? There is um, a little bit, yes. Um, I have an actual agent, um, and they're looking at, you know, very, you know how these things go. They're very, very, it takes a long time, and they're just now preparing to pitch people. They're thinking about TV, possibly. Um, sure. But it is, it is, I mean, it makes me feel like, I have to go, I don't know, like I'm nervous even saying that, because it would be really, really cool, um, but I know it's a long shot. But people who do read the book do kind of conjure up that, you know, it does feel like it. It. Yeah. yeah, it totally because, feels And like I swear I never thought of that, and because if you do, it's horrendous, but um, it, it, yeah, except that, you know, if they fictionalize us, like I would be... You know, I don't know what they would make of me, but I probably wouldn't make the cut, actually. Actually, they've already contacted me to play the grumpy principal who wouldn't let you use the gym. My husband has dips on that. Oh, he does. What a tough break for him. You'll have to audition. That's funny you picked the grumpy principal because you (laughs) love that role. It's a meaty role, though. It's it's a good, important, meaty role. So, I don't know. He it's, doesn't have much acting experience, so. Oh, I do. I'm I'm quite the thespian. Uh, State, the story of the Niles West High School girls uh, basketball team, as you said, went on to defeat eventual Olympian Jackie Joyner Kersey's East St. Louis team and really changed their lives. And a bunch of girls who might have been called tomboys behind their back or to their face have uh, memories of a lifetime. And that's why we talk so much, too, about the school strike yeah, and how exactly. these kids yep. who are getting their memories robbed by uh, parents not getting along. But anyway, I want everybody to go out and get this book. Get two copies. You're careless. You'll lose the first one. Yes. It's <laughs> Melissa Melissa Isaacson at State. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, Steve. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Still to come in the uh, 9 o'clock hour is Billy Deck. He's coming to talk about a documentary on the Philippines that he just finished. He has no attention span. He's at the restaurant. He's running around being an actor. He's in the movies. He's going back to the restaurant. Anyway, it's a tribute to Billy. I'm wearing a Billy Deck hat today. Yeah, you are. So uh, at 8.55, let me check back in with uh, Vivian here, whose long-distance, uh, long-term boyfriend, George, is in town. She's talking to a guest right now, so we can talk about her behind her back. Um, and, um, I, yeah, you think this thing's going to make the cut, the long, the long run for these two? Absolutely. Yeah. I Feel mean, good about George can just come in and talk on the mic if he no, wants. No, no, Vivian would yell at him if she does that. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should go back to the hat. Um, like, I'm going to have a really tough time deciphering between you and Billy when he gets here. Like, yes. I don't know which one is which. Uh, I said this earlier, I'll repeat it, I'm sure, but um, I'm Billy Deck's older fraternal twin from a different mother, so we couldn't be closer. So That's a bond that you can't really buy. It's a bond you can't break.
Uh, all right, so, uh, and, and we also have to uh, go over a couple of things on the list I haven't gotten to yet. Well, it's not important. Do you, well, do you, Anybody do anything cool this weekend? Yes. I got 60 football. seconds. I'm watching football. Really Which one? About it. Which one? Well, Michigan's going to smoke Notre Dame, so that's oh. not going to be a great game, you know. But uh, the Cats tomorrow against yes. Iowa, that's another good game. Bears, I think I'm going to go to that game. TCU, Texas, that's a good game. Do you need tickets? No, I think I got some. All right, because I can help you with those. I, I, know Coach, I know Coach Fitz. I can make a call. <laughs> LSU Auburn, another good one. So, yeah, and that Sunday night game's good. You want to see the Chiefs beat the Packers. Touchdown, Kansas yep. City. Our guy. Getting it done without Patrick Mitch. Mahomes. God, I hope right. so. Oh, it's Packers. Oof. What are you doing, Steve? Yeah, we're out of time. Yeah, as usual, we don't have time to promote me because you guys suck up all the time. He's going to a Halloween <laughs> party in his, yeah. in his outfit. got a little bit of time. Yeah, so. So, uh, we continue to get texts not meant for us. We'll go over that next hour as well. But uh, from the 219, Robin, your new hairdo is great. I think you can go even shorter. <laughs> okay. And for Robin Baumgarten. So uh, if we ever get any text meant for this show, I'll absolutely share them with you. 312-981-7200 is the number, whether you want to call or whether you want to text. Steve standing by in the newsroom with updates on everything happening, including any news that comes up in the school strike. Listen to WGN News all day and check back constantly, constantly at WGNRadio.com because we will keep you informed. I'll take a break. Coming back. Oh, back to school. Back to school. To prove to dad that I'm not a fool. This is the Steve Cochran Show. On 720 WGN. So be true to your school. 910. There's a million examples out there of what's going on with this uh, strike, which now is as long as the 2012. And not that they're going to get to 19 days, but that's the uh, longest, and you can see it from here. I mean, it's a week out already. Um, and standing by the phone is a, a mom who uh, is understandably stressed out by this, and uh, I asked her to come on because uh, I thought she had a couple of good things to say here. Jessica Contreras. Good morning, Jessica. Good morning. How are you? I'm okay. How are you today? I'm good. you got three kids in elementary school at, uh, I don't want to say which school, but um, they're watching a lot of TV, huh? Yes. Driving you yes. nuts? Well, I work. So mainly getting on my mom's nerves, <laughs> not mine. <laughs> right, right. So, so the deal being that uh, they're not learning, they're right. home, um, and uh, soaking up uh, uh, crappy daytime TV is not the dream you had for your children. Right. Jessica, thank goodness you have your mother to help you out. What were some of the options that were given to you if you didn't have a family member to help you with child care? Uh, to send my kids to school. You know, I have a child. She's, you know, she loves school. She loves it, loves it. She's um, a seventh grader at Douglas Taylor. She went to school today. She's been going to school because she says she's bored at home. And I asked her, what are you doing in school? She was like, oh, we're just talking, our friends, you know, talking to some of the, you know, I guess, whoever's watching them mm-hmm. in the school and watching movies. So basically, they're not even doing anything in school either. They're just sitting there getting babysat while the parents are working right and, they, and but but at school she probably likes it not just because she's a good kid and she likes school but she also sees some friends maybe she's socializing. she's socializing but again it's not what school's intended to be for in the big picture right you also have right. a senior right yes i do and what's going on with him or her well right now um obviously you've heard of the 
but the strike, they're not allowed to play soccer. So my son is one of those kids uh. affected. He is, he is one of the captains of his soccer team. And also, he is one of the lead um, scorers on the uh, uh, in the tournament with TPS. And also, this has put a damper on him because he's not allowed to play his state games as well as his um, essay. He's an IB program, so his essays have been put on hold because they need recommendations from teachers. They need, you know, so... Also, they're going to be really, really behind. By the time they get back, they're going to be crunching, crunching numbers, you know, to get all this stuff in. And the competition for kids to get into a college they want to go in depends on things like early admission. It depends on being able to get your financial aid and your test taken care of in a timely manner because the rest of the world doesn't wait, right? Right, because the first deadline is November 1st. I mean, that's right around the corner. That's a week away. Right. Jessica, right. you sound stressed out. Uh, can you describe how you're feeling right now and uh, where your emotions are? You know, it's been rough this week, especially with the soccer players. Sure. Because they work so hard, like really hard. I'm not talking about just this season. You know, we have players who you know been playing for four years, just like my son. You know, some of these kids depended on a lot of these games, the state games, to get seen by scouts. Because, you know, scouts don't come out to regular season games. They come out during state games. And this was the platform for them to get scouted. Because a lot of these kids don't have the finances. I don't have the finances to pay for a four-year college tuition. So this was a way for them to get at least somewhat you know, of money for them in order to get to a university. Yeah, I mean, you want your kids, your kids to get an education and realize their dreams, and you also want to be able to not bankrupt your family in the process. So your kid's talented as an opportunity to show off that talent, but it's a limited window to do that. Right. Um, last word. Jessica, do you see both sides of the situation, or are you more feeling as though there should have just been some way that they should have figured it out so that way school wasn't disrupted. We just want to know your thoughts as a parent on that. You know, this is the second strike I go through with CPS because I also went through it in 2012. And, you know, I feel they could have done this over the summer, try to bargain or even bargain, you know, during school time. And, you know, and if they really didn't find no other choice but to go out and strike, I wish they would have anticipated and waited a little bit longer until a lot of these athletes would have had a chance, you know, to showcase themselves at their state games. Not only soccer, but girls volleyball, cross country, sure, football, all the fall sports. Golf, you know, all the you know all the fall sports. Jessica, good luck, and uh, I, I wish I had something more than just you know encouragement for you. But we just don't know. Anything more than you do, other than there appears to be some optimism. So hopefully the uh, cooler heads prevail and they get it figured out today. Thank you. All right. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Now, the other side of this is, of course, um, something that we need to talk about. And uh, I I shouldn't say the other side, because she's not really saying it's the city's fault or the teacher's fault. She's just expressing her frustrations as a working mom and with a senior that is supposed to be in soccer playoffs. Right. And uh, the teachers' uh, demands, the teachers' wants by way of a union, um, are certainly all fair asks. Mm -hmm. 
not just money, but uh, the social stuff as well. And maybe some of it's too big for now, but it's all worthy of discussion. Martha Van Horsen is an English teacher at Alcott College Prep. And, you know, you don't become a teacher if you don't care about your kids or feel for your kids. Are you on a picket line? Are you outside? I'm on my way to Lane Tech High School to support uh, a student-organized pep rally. Are you hearing what we're hearing, that things are maybe going to get done? I'm hoping. It's feeling progressive. We're um, we're tired. We want to see our kids. We, we're literally going to see the kids because we miss kids. Um and I'm hearing positive. Things are things are getting there. Um, it's kind of heartbreaking to hear that parent because I got her. We started these negotiations. I've been, I'm the delegate for the school. Mm-hmm. And they started negotiations in, 10 months ago. And it wasn't until we authorized the strike till they started proposing things. And so she's right. I wish it would have been earlier. Um, but, yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're... We're, it, is, it sounds like we're finally getting some things that the kids need, um, which I think were taken away in 2012. Can you explain why it was so important for the teachers union to include include some of these social justice issues in the ask and the platform? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're the core of the school. It's the core of the community. Um, I work this is my 10th year in CPS. I started the alternative network with kids who'd been expelled and they were expelled because they didn't have resources there were no jobs there's nothing um the last school i worked at didn't have uh very many athletic programs for girls um and very many and no art program no music program i get to see a music program and when you don't have those outlets for kids that go home to nothing uh what are they going to succeed for? Not everybody loves an English and a math class and a social studies class and a science class. They need that outlet. Um, and so doing that and making sure that, that communities are equitable and so those parents can be close to the schools. I have kids that travel an hour and a half, two hours just to get to us, to get to a school that has resources. Oh, amazing. really is. Now, uh, do you have any uh, better explanation than we have or we've been told as to why the ACT folks couldn't figure out a way to grant a couple of days grace in some way so these kids wouldn't miss their ACT shot? Um, I haven't heard much. We There's a lot of anxiety about us for the teachers for that a lot of the two-day testing for kids that uh special education um a lot of teachers are asking why didn't we move this why didn't the district move the sat up instead of back um yeah no i don't know anything else other than that i know that just are uh nationwide there's counselors and universities that are being very understanding to the kids applying for college but these these test scores, the retakes that my seniors take, I don't I don't really know. That's all on the board. They make those decisions right. for us. We don't really ever get a say in that. Well, that's the thing. There's so many things you don't get a say in uh, and get lumped on you because you're the front lines of this. So, listen, yeah. we're pulling for you. We know the city's only got so Thank much, you. but let's get it done and uh, go see your kids. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That's Martha Van Horsen, English teacher at Alcott College Prep. Nine nineteen. A couple of calls uh, on the uh, school strike situation. Let me go to uh, Joe and Vernon Hills. Hey, Joe. Hey, guys. So, listen. I've been following this. I live in the suburbs, but um, 
I've heard about them talking about homeless students, and I read an article recently that said there were over 16,450 homeless students. So they've talked about it. We're going to try to figure out what to do. But I haven't heard anyone say what we're going to do. What is the plan? Where's the money coming from? What is the? What have you heard about what they're going to do about homeless students in the city? Because that's such a concern. There's well, nothing sadder than absolutely, that. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, Steve, any update on that? Um, well, Steve, there's a program that has it in the CPS that's a temporary living situations for uh, homeless kids. Um, there is some funding available for uh, putting some of those kids in, in group homes, um, in temporary shelters, other places where they have a little bit of stability. I think part of what the teachers have been asking for is more programs like that, more funding for programs like that, so that the kids, uh, number one, come to school after having a stable place to put their head the night before and maybe even have food as well. Um, so that's that was the part of the plan in Chicago, Chicago Public Schools. Uh, let me get uh, Pam in here. Uh, good morning, Pam. Good morning. What's your yes, question? I'm also a resident in the suburbs. Uh-huh. And I had a couple points. I know you're on a time schedule. First of all, in 2012, I don't recall any of this being such an issue that um, this election is such an issue. Yes, I know over the years things do increase. But teachers, they say it's about the students and the care, and everybody says it's about the kids. Well, why during one or two of the days of their summer off time, which they claim they work 24-7, and trust me, I'm behind the teachers 100%, my daughter's one. Why don't they set aside a week or a few days to meet knowing that this is looming and knowing if they do care and love the kids and they're for the best of the kids and want to get them back in school, sit down and I and put their things in writing or say, if this strike goes on, these kids are going to sacrifice HCTs. They're not going to be able to be in their sports. You know, all of these various things that are so critical to parents right now. Why isn't any of that being dressed? And why can't the teachers go back to work? They're not the ones at the bargaining table. Uh, thanks for that. And uh, some of that has been discussed here and in, in other places. But I think the general answer there is, unlike police and fire, teachers have not been named I don't want to use the wrong words here, Steve, but the essential personnel of the fire and police departments, it can't go away. The teachers are not in that same category. There's been a lot of people who brought up this argument. Why can't you work through the strike? And the, the, the answer there is leverage. Right. That's exactly it. I mean, there are some rules that have to be followed in strike situations, and one of them is you can't really be on strike and be at work. I mean, the whole point of being on strike is to have some sort of leverage over your employer. Um, and then the other part of this, too, back to this, why haven't teachers, or the question, the caller with the question, why ha- why haven't these talks been more important uh, going back? The teachers union says they've tried to put proposals before the school district for the last 10 months without any progress. So if you, you know, get the teacher's side of this, they say they have been trying to push these proposals for at least the last 10 months. And I think most teachers would fall in line with the teacher you heard from a couple of minutes ago who uh, feel responsibility, feel guilty, but also feel uh, a need to push what they're pushing now. But again, I hate to be the guy on the fence here, but I totally get the position of the cities in as well. 
But there's got to be a way to get this done and get it done without waiting another week. Yeah, I'm friends with a couple of teachers in public in Chicago public schools, and I have to tell you, they want to be in the classroom. Right. This is really tough. They don't want to not be working and being with their kids. It's a very hard thing, especially after starting the school year and having to break off so quickly. Of course, we feel for the parents, too. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Can you imagine it just how you feel when, you know, the parent we just talked to, she's hoping her son can get scouted on in the soccer playoffs and hopefully maybe get some money for college. Headlines coming up. More with Steve next, 720 WGN. The Steve Cochran Show. I'm a little bummed out. I'm not going to lie to you. Tell us why. All morning long, I've taken grief about my uh, my new golf hat, which is in the Billy Deck Derby style. You mean your beach grief. hat? You yeah. Who's giving you grief? We Every female couple. that's walked into the room. Oh, well, that's different. Yeah. That's the only thing that matters. That's normal conversation. <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, the boss of this place, Mary Sandberg, came in and said, is that thing big enough for your head? <laughs> <laughs> she did. I want to know how you can keep your headphones on around that. Yeah, day. it's a little bit of a struggle. So anyway, the point of wearing this is, you know, a tribute to Billy Deck, mm-hmm. our, our friend, who has never taken his hat off. I mean, his entire life. There's a little baby version that he eventually grew into, but it's never... It's sort of like Lincoln's stovepipe hat. That's right. the Billy Deck hat. Mm-hmm. So, uh, G is sending Billy a picture of me in the hat because, uh, you know, listen, let's be honest. I'm his slightly older fraternal twin brother from a different mother. I can see the resemblance. Totally. It's complete. Yeah. Billy Deck joins us. Oh man! I, you know what? I blame. The, you know what? I blame. I blame the Uber. <laughs> I do. I do. I have an amazing Uber right now that I'm in five minutes away, but the first one just didn't show up. And I called him, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, he just it wasn't working." And total breakdown. Dude, no worries. Uh, Turn around. You know show business. I, we run this place like yeah. a nuclear uh, something. I hear you. Well, I actually heard about the hat, and I felt really intimidated. So I didn't know if I could be in the same room ah, you at the same time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we might explode. The likeness is too great. Uh, it might be confusing. I, I want your First natural off, reaction. I want your natural reaction to the hat. Did you text him the hat, G? I sure did. All right, so you should have a picture of the hat right now. So I want you to open it, and I want your natural reaction to it. What is this? It you're laughing? Is that your reaction? <laughs> I said it's the facial expression too. It's like the what's up? This is normal. This is how I rock it. Hey, I love it. I love it. Uh, love all right. It. So tell me about this documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me. So, yeah. Tell me. About uh, you know, I have uh, grown up in a as Gino's an Asian uh, household. My mom's from Philippine Islands. Um, I opened Sunda. Filipino food is this new genre of food that everyone's talking about. And I knew all the greatest hits, but I knew uh, that I also was just detached from family recipes. And so in December, two of my uh, last remaining elders passed away on the same day. And immediately I just put a, um, a trip together to go and find my uh, last one remaining um, elder and other family members to find them in the Philippines and learn the recipes of my ancestors and i had a a a very um makeshift crew of uh camera people that i had actually uh worked with once before and we we went by boat plane motorcycle jeepney all through the islands and the mountains and um basically i learned these recipes and documented it all and uh i was posting it all over social media and um pbs came and and uh said let's make a documentary out of it and put it up on tbs and so that's going to happen uh we're in editing right now and it should happen in three four months and 
you can see uh, all these sort of sneak peek trailers um, on my website. It's just billydeck.com slash documentary. And uh, there's a PBS donation button because obviously PBS is not for profit, tax deductible donations, and we got a matching grant. Some grant gave us, uh, foundation gave us $100,000. Wow. So that whoever, yeah, so if someone donates, uh, you know, like 20 bucks, it turns into 40 like that. And uh, I've never done this before, so I'm just, I'm really excited by it all these uh, people helping to support stories of uh, cultural diversity. Um, you know, people forget that everyone is from somewhere. And so I've been getting a lot of stories from people saying that they wish that they could go and go back to their sort of um, ethnic origins and roots and learn the recipes of their ancestors so that they not only can enjoy it, but to pass it on to future generations. And so um, it's just been an awesome ride, and I'm, I'm learning the, uh, the documentary world day by day, but, it's, but all has been great. And today, I'm actually um, going to be showing scenes at Sunda because it's Filipino American History Month. And as these scenes unfold, learning these recipes from my elders in the Philippines, the dishes will actually come out uh, and people can try them. And that happens at 5 o'clock if anyone's... Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Gene, so, jump in here. So, Billy, you've been, you know, somebody that's been out and about on the scene. You've been, a, you know, really a master of hospitality. Wait, you're telling me Billy that goes scene. out? Yeah. But he's, but the surprising <laughs> thing is he's pretty private about his personal life. And I mm-hmm. wanted to know yeah. if this was a difficult journey for you or if you encountered some surprises because uh, you are showcasing a lot more of your uh, your private life and your personal growth throughout this journey. (laughs) Totally. It's funny. You were kind of joking about the (laughs) the hat situation. If you go to some of those sneak peek videos uh, on the website and you see these um, scenes, it's, it's really uh, very rough, rugged and natural and family. And um, I'm not wearing a hat in a lot of that. And I um, am just exploring and with, my elders in such a not only respectful way, but in, in awe, kind of, um, just like a kid again. And it's it's very much uh, it's not guarded. Um, there's one uh, story where I I was so close to this village that was above the clouds that I made my way two days off the grid to find this village because I wanted to know what my ancestors were like or how they lived pre-colonization, pre-modernization. This is an untouched village. They were once called a headhunting village. They found a 103-year-old uh, last remaining tattoo master, this woman named Wang Ad. And um, she became not only a national treasure when they found her because there are no more uh, people at her level understanding what historic tribal tattooing was about, which is really about family story. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting this, but through my translator to her translator to this beautiful exchange up above the mountains overlooking um, this untouched area, she was just like, uh, took the ash off of a pot, put it in a coconut, mix it up with a yam, grabbed a three-inch thorn off this bush, put it onto a stick, and then basically dipped it into this, this ashy ink and removed uh, my shirt over from my heart and felt my heart and began to began to hammer it into my heart, into my chest to give me a um, very traditional family tattoo because I had just found my lineage. I wow. was able to do this. Um, so that was like the most... Very moving. You know, me, me with my <laughs> shirt off, scared out of my mind, you can see it in my eyes and this, this blood just kind of... Uh, kind of pouring out of my my chest 
it, it, but it's a beautiful thing, and and it was probably the most vulnerable. Um, see, from like your from our perspectives, you know, when we're when we're doing shows and we're everything is like very supported by people, and every, and you feel really safe, and you, you you there's a lot of support everywhere, and lights and cameras and all this other stuff, and technical assistance and all this. This was just me. There's no hospital. Uh, two of our people in our crew couldn't even get up this mountain. Um, it was really scary, and it was uh, it was really a vulnerable situation. But it was like I can't even believe it's me. I, I watched this, and you can see it. You can see it right now on on um, on the website, and and it, it's a it's a it's a full blown hammering <laughs> nail uh, scenario with kind of blood coming out of my chest. It's it's it, but it's but it's really culturally, because, but culturally traditional. You're saying, right? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, when the Spanish landed in the Philippines, they called it La Isla de Pintados, the island of the painted people, and then they outlawed it. And so it was not allowed. And when people refused to be colonized, they ran into the mountains. They said, you come up here and try to, you know, do things to us. We're going to... Um, so we're gonna fight back. We're gonna cut your head off. And well, I'm excited never, for you. They never came down, and yeah. So I'm excited yeah, for so, you. I know uh, you've been. Out. This has been your dream for quite some time to to do this and um, to relate food to people culturally, and then to be able to tie yeah. in your family to this. And, and I've told story. you before, Sunda food can solve wars. If he would just bomb uh, territories in conflict <laughs> with uh, the menu of Sunda, we would have no wars in the world. <laughs> I want that quote on the menu. I think, or somewhere. That's, or, yeah, I don't even know where. That might be a tattoo. We'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Uh, all right, man. So remind people again, where do they see the documentary? Yeah, so I would say right now, just go to billydack.com slash documentary. Uh, last name spelled D-E-C. And all the information there, the, the donate button is here, there, and all the videos. You can see these little quick vignettes and check it out. And I think uh, I hope people are inspired to go back in time and find out, you know, the recipes of their ancestors. But it really tells family stories. It actually wasn't about what's on the plate after uh, time. It was more about the people your family was and and what who you are. And then you begin to embrace. By the way, by the way, very smooth and continuing that answer while you got out of the Uber. I know. I was like, is he going to pop out of the elevator at any moment? He got out of the Uber. Have a great weekend. Thanks, buddy. That's Billy Deck. We're late. We're back after this 720 WGM. Market's up slightly today, uh, which is a good thing. However, if you're like me and you had invested a decent chunk of money in Twitter, you lost uh, 25% of it in the last 24 hours. Cool. <laughs> Steve, are you in the uh, dead end, kids? Uh, <laughs> yes. You talking about the hat? Yeah. Or just in general? <laughs> no, in the, I was thinking the hat, but in general, too. Uh, JoJo's on the phone from Rogers Park. Hi, JoJo. Hey, Steve, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Happy Friday. And to you. Thanks, thanks. I've been listening to you all the time. I just wanted to call and, you know, say hi and uh, keep up the good work. Well, I appreciate it. Somebody told me you're from Ghana? Yeah, originally from Ghana, but uh, I guess... Is that a place that, is that a place that uh, you know, maybe we should travel? Uh, because there's why a... Why not? Yeah, why not? There's you a, love Ghana. There's a I kid from here... No, I've not actually. There's a kid from here who's working for MTV now named Domati, who is from Ghana, okay. and he talked about how beautiful it was. So, because of you and Domati, um, I'm putting it on the must see list. Yes, you have to because you love it. You love it. You love the environment. You love the people, and of course, the food. Wonderful. You know, which is the most the most favorite part of, of of Ghana. Yeah, in Ghana, you know what they call Ghana, the Rogers Park of Africa. 
Yes, and there are a lot of Ghanaians here too. We, you know, we do um, uh, Ghana Fest every summer, the last Saturday of July. I, I, I did. Well, I, again, I knew that because of Domiti. All right, have, man, have a great weekend. I have a couple of friends from Ghana, and they're telling me how Accra is like the new hip-happening, developed, like, party city. Is that Accra like okra? Accra like A-C-C-R-A, oh, Ghana. I don't know Accra. An update on the wrong text from yesterday. Yes, Steve. What happened there? Okay. Now, you remember yesterday when we were talking right before your own show? Yeah. We got a text from someone that wasn't meant for me. This right. happens usually about once a week. Today, it's happened about 14 times. Wow. Here's the original text. Hi, Carolyn. Not a lot of new stuff for today's meeting, unless you have something. I figure we could finalize a couple of programs, maybe start December, sign up, discuss giving scholarships and membership. Have you thought about rules? And what will our plan be? I can run the meeting since there's nothing really new. I waited too long to contact you. Well, I'm not Carolyn. No. Mm-mm. No, I'm not. Then she added, Jen's bringing crackers, pretzels, and cheese to our 530 meeting. I'll bring a veggie tray. Clearly reaching out to Carolyn saying, will you get off your behind and maybe yeah, do something you know, kick here. something in? Right. So I brought up this morning and I mentioned we didn't have a callback number because we wanted to be able to get a hold of this texture to say, Carolyn doesn't know. Yeah. Because you texted me. She was listening, or somebody was listening and got a hold of her. She texted, apologized several times, and she didn't need to do that. I texted her, by the way. Oh, you did? When I got on the air, I texted her and said, Carolyn doesn't know anything about bringing stuff. Look at you. I know. It bothered Look me. I felt you. bad. Uh, it turns out she did get the message to Carolyn. No word on Jan's crackers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to know what Carolyn brought. <laughs> clearly, question. that was the whole. Gist. Yeah, we don't know Carolyn, but she appears to be the deadbeat in this scenario. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I'm normally the Carolyn, so I feel for Carolyn. I felt bad. That's why yeah. I texted her. I go, "Your messages, you texted WGN, dummy." No, now, I didn't you guys, say that. You guys know we get TV texts all the time because people think we're all in the oh, same right. place. Yeah, Robin, <laughs> you can add Jameson's whiskey to your coffee. And a little cream to menthe and whipped cream for your Irish coffee. Delicious. will warm you right up. Separate text. Robin, your new hairdo looks great. Maybe even shorter. From the same number or from different numbers? From Carolyn. Oh, well. Oh, yeah, Carolyn. Carolyn. Yeah, Carolyn said it. Maybe go out and uh, send something. Uh, what are you guys doing today on the show? Oh, man. We've got to fit a lot in. Uh, we are going to talk about um, flu shots. Because everybody needs to get them. It's going to be a bad season. I'll hold you. We're going to talk do. television with Alexander Zalbin from Decider.com. Yeah. And we have a couple other tricks up Some our sleeve. Some surprises. Ooh. Okay, and plenty of free parking. We're back with Bill and Wendy next. Uh, Dave, have a great call this weekend. Thanks, Steve. Uh, go Hawks, go Cats, 